This week on the Jock and Nerd podcast, the ginger geek Matt Delhauer joins us for a full spoiler review of Matt Reeves' The Batman. Is this the best Batman movie yet? Find out all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, March 7th, 2022. Hey, this is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. Welcome to the Jock and Nerd podcast. Remember, Batman's got your back. Hello, listener, and welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we give you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the Nerd. And joining us, uh, someone who is occasionally mistaken for a rat with wings, Rug Boy. That happens to you, Rugs, right? Sure. I've been (laughs) mistaken for a rat, uh, dog shit. Uh, pretty much everything that you'd find on the bottom of a sewer. Yes. And also joining us for this special show, special guest. It's the ginger geek himself, Matt Delhauer. What's up, bud? Hey, everybody. <laughs> no, not you, rug boy. Shut up. I'm trying to tell hello to well, Matt. Matt's been called a maxi pad with wings. I oh, have. Uh, it's uh, um, so, it's yeah. in order to more comfortably <laughs> stick to the inside of your underpants. Yeah. And you can still go horseback riding and ride a bike and stuff. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's it, it makes life so much better. Did you like have a lisp when you said you let horseback? I did have a lisp right there for a second. <laughs> my tongue missed where it was supposed to go. And my sometimes- tongue was stuck to my roof. The roof of my mouth. It does its own thing. It doesn't listen. Stop eating peanut butter before the show, Imran. <laughs> well, that's sorry. the only way we can make it look like Imran's talking for the camera. <laughs> you just put some tooth uh, peanut butter on his teeth. I'm really an animatronic AI individual. <laughs> Mr. Ed. Yeah. <laughs> who pees really quick. Nobody knows who Mr. Ed is. It's the reason I made that joke. <laughs> well, you're a smarty pants. That's okay? true. Yeah. I'm a smart ass. Yeah. Uh, Delhauer, really glad to have you here because, you know, we've had you on the show as we've trashed many a batman film how many i think two so far yeah yeah yeah. and the what the fuck happens this time though we're gonna spin it around we're going the other way as this is an all you know that you don't know what he thinks of this movie well i have a pretty good guess but we'll see we'll find out he could be trashing this one too okay we'll find out all bat-tastic batman all the time this week on the pod everyone uh, as we review Matt Reeves, the Batman, let's dive right into it. I'm going to give you your spoiler alerts. Whoa. Let's spoil some shit, Batman. <laughs> Fuck it. We got no a- news. No, no. We're just doing Batman. We got a lot. We got a lot. It to is discuss. a three hour movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a three hour movie. We need at least that much time to discuss this. It won't be no, that. Oh, no, we're not doing three hours. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. We're going to get in and out real quick. You say that now. I don't think yeah. my butthole can last that long. That's what I said when I sat down. That's why I, like, I sent you that plug in the mail, Rugs, for these occasions exactly. Did you like have to have a talk with your butthole when you <laughs> went and sat down with the Batman? But like, listen, I need you to shut up for three hours. Well, not Batman. We're it, talking it, about. It was, I had to talk with my bladder. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Just in terms of bladder talks. Yeah, my I went with some friends, and they said, "Come over, you know, early, and we can have a drink at my place." No. And I, I went, <laughs> "I'm coming over, but I'm not drinking a sip of anything." Yeah, like what? 
I went, if I drink even one drink of alcohol, I'm going to pee four times during yeah. this movie, and it's three hours, and I'm not getting up during this movie. I fasted 12 hours before the movie <laughs> just to be prepared. It's just funny. It's like ambulances are showing up as dehydrated, dehydrated <laughs> people are coming out of the Batman. I, I started Ramadan early. I haven't drank in two days for this. <laughs> It's either that or like bladders are exploding yes, everywhere. It's just, people are shooting out of their seats. <laughs> um, all right. We'll get to all that experience. There's a, a lot of uh, a little bit of backstory with this movie that, you know, we've talked about over the last like whole time we've been doing this podcast. That's yeah, kind of seven, the, eight years. The story has been going on. So this Matt Reeves, the Batman movie that came out in 2022 actually starts out in 2014. As the movie promised to Ben Affleck to direct, write, produce, and star in. By January 2017, he's out. Oh, shit. He's not going to do all those things. Matt Reeves gets hired in February 2017. And at this point, Ben Affleck still said he would star in it. Still actively participating in this until he walks away in January 2019. And then uh, I think a few months later, we get the patents and casting. Uh, and as far as production, COVID issues, like every other movie, this movie had been delayed twice since its original release date of June 2021. Supposed to come out. Uh, Robert Pattinson playing Batman also catches the vid during production, further slowing things out. But it's finally, finally came out. Uh, other numbers and crazy stats since 1943 this is the 15th live action movie appearance of batman with two more coming uh very soon uh with the flash and batgirl and robert pattinson ends up being the ninth actor to play a live action batman in a movie and i'm not even counting the animated people or the tv things there's a lot more batmans there this is just in the movie so Long history with the Batman, the movie currently sitting on the Rotten Tomato meter, 85%, 7.6 out of 10 average rating. This movie was made for a budget of $200 million. Very pricey movie. Opening weekend, it exceeds uh, expectations, makes $134 million oh, domestically. Uh, it's currently sitting at $258 million worldwide not bad now with that money here's what this means in terms of box office this is the second like pandemic era movie to open above a hundred million dollars only the second after spider-man no way home this is uh the biggest opening of 2022 so far also warner brothers didn't all well, last year they released their movies day and date on hbo max so none of those movies made any money this is the fifth biggest opening for a DC Comics movie, the third biggest for the DCEU, and the third biggest for a solo Batman film. If you count uh, Batman v Superman, though, uh, puts it in fourth, as that has had a huge, that is like the opening weekend uh, leader right now in terms of Batman movies. Uh, and it's Warner Brothers' first movie to cross. This is the craziest stat. It is Warner Brothers' first movie to cross $100 million opening weekend since 2017's It. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Hmm. Right? Uh, they have wow. a, They have not had a hit movie for a number of years, so they're probably jumping up and down. Jesus. 
over there. They couldn't even blame COVID for it for no. several of them. No, for most of the time, it just couldn't fucking crack that hundred million. That was after again. Batman v Superman, like shit the bed, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, well, it, and it, Justice League. I would say Batman v Superman did well oh, no. financially. It was just uh, critically. No, that was last. before Justice League. Justice League was twenty eighteen. I want to say. No, no, I agree. Justice League also um, didn't do uh, well, but yeah. I think no, that I know. I, I, the tide I meant- turned after on on Zack Snyder after that Batman vs Superman movie. Where Justice oh, League yeah. was twenty seventeen. Okay, so Justice League was just after it. So yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, it 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 was the first movie to not do so, probably. Yeah, hmm. I mean, the BBS was huge for them in twenty sixteen, and then it was it, and then that was it until this weekend. That was it. Uh, That was it. Uh, All right. Before we even get to the movie, Anthony, I want to ask you this general question. I'm going to ask everyone. We'll start with you, Anthony. Yes. What is it about Batman that makes him an icon? Why do you love him? You are our big Batman guy. I'm a Batman guy. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking me, (laughs) Mr. Imran. Yeah. I mean, he's this is as you mentioned, he's got all these appearances. It's clear. It's clear that he's a super popular character. I would argue probably the most popular character ever created in terms of comics i think that bounces around but i think batman's clearly up there if not number one and judging by the fact that this movie's crossed 100 million dollars opening weekend and this is what the 13th appearance of a batman 15th 15th yeah that well is not fucking dry right yeah so um why is he such an icon i think i think for me at least batman's an icon because he can play in any sandbox really like if you want a super serious crime story, you can go to Batman. If you want him to team up with the Justice League and fight monsters and aliens, you can still go to Batman. If you want like funny mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. you can go to Batman. Yeah. If you want all these, you know, if you want all these different itinerations of Batman, they all work. Now there's obviously some that are better than others, but they all work. And furthermore, I think it helps that everyone can kind of relate to Batman. Can like, you though? I mean, he's a billionaire. He's a playboy. He's a billionaire, but he's he's also a human. Yeah. Like, he's a man. He's not Superman, who's an alien. Right. He's not Spider-Man, who got bit by a radioactive spider. At the end of the day, he's still... It's, like, feasible that this could kind of happen. And you can relate to, to his... To his... To him's his humanity and to his kind of mission in life, whereas he was... Saw his parents gunned down in front of him, and he never wants to see that happen again to anyone. I think that's super relatable, and I think that, in term, along with him being able to just be malleable to all different kinds of stories, he can appeal to children, but he's also a character that, as an adult, you don't feel bad about watching, right? He also can be an anti-hero. He can be all these different kind of things. So I think there's just so many ways that he appeals to an audience that he's just become this character that you can keep going to this well and tell different stories, and it all Every time it seems to click. It's true. It's amazing. Delhauer, Batman, first created 1939. How has he maintained 81 years of popularity? Uh, I think rolling off of what Anthony said, Batman is like the ultimate power fantasy for readers. This is the concept of a, what would basically, outside of being you know, the, the inherent sub to a rich family, uh, he's supposed to be the everyman who rises above. And it's that fantasy that so many people have of if I had 
all of this money and the ability to do anything about the things that I don't like in my life or the world, how would I go about it? And we have, you know, there's there's the meme that goes around about how Superman has every single superpower and he's so overpowered. But there's also the meme that goes around about we've over that amount of time kind of made it that Batman can do absolutely everything and anything. He is unbelievably rich. He is a master martial artist. He is the world's greatest detective. He has all of the newest, greatest gadgets, and he is consistently outsmarting everybody that he comes up against. And it's it's that situation in which you have readers for generations who take a look at this character who is able to do the things they wish they could do in their life. He can face any adversity and overcome it, not only just because he's strong, but because he is smart and because he has both the resources and the will to overcome every time. Well said. I mean, there's also the aspect of him being a vigilante and taking control and, you know, bringing justice and stopping crime, cleaning up the city. Something that's, uh, if you had that power, you'd want to do rugs. Why do you love the Batman? Oh, there's a lot of reasons, but, uh, it's probably the cape. Just the cape. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, everybody said pretty much everything that, to me, uh, Batman works best. Like, I don't like every iteration of Batman. I'm just going to say that right now. I don't like comedic versions of Batman. I don't like. Um, no. I don't <laughs> like uh, hyper uh, crazy nihilistic versions of Batman either. I like uh, the idea. Well, I've already I've kind of said this a, a, a few times in the past, but I, I like the idea that there's somebody that's incorruptible. I like that there's somebody who is good and that never happens. And so they, to have the fantasy of somebody who is incorruptible, I think it appeals to me. That's why I really, I really love Peter Parker too, because yeah. they both kind of have that thing. And I mean, all superheroes are supposedly incorruptible, but, but this is like the blueprint. It's like Superman, Batman. They're like the two at the beginning who were very incorruptible. Now we've, 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 we've passed that on to cap and all these other heroes, but he's incorruptible in a way. In a, in a great way, and I feel like he's tied to his city. And a lot of the heroes, you could throw them anywhere, but Gotham and Batman go hand in hand. And there is something, especially growing up in New York City, where I feel like that's my city. Not that I defend it or anything, but like, I mean, I have a kinship with it. It's part of who I am. So I relate to that a lot. So I feel like I can relate to, uh, you know, him being a, a vigilante, a superhero, a, a human who who can do, who does great things that are heroic and can play with the big boys and people who are powered and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I think the fact that he's incorruptible, that he kind of doesn't kill. I mean, he used to kill the first, 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 uh, few comics before they threw Robin in. He used to kill people all the time. He used to have a gun, you yeah. know, so, but, um, they've ever since they kind of really got a handle on the character and realized what it is, what they had, um, I, and the, that's the version that I got to know was that there is this kind of, like, there's all this corruptible stuff, but you can't corrupt the Batman. Yeah. The no kill rule is another big thing that, that, uh, draws people in, uh, you know, growing up, just uh, like you said, Anthony, I've been exposed to all different types of Batman from Adam West. I had the, from the cartoon, the super friends, the toys, uh, just Batman everywhere. And, I love another aspect I've always loved is how he's ready for everything. How you find out that he has 
something to take down every member of the Justice League. Like that, he's just brilliant and he's ready and he's fucking badass. So uh, every time there's a new version of him, uh, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And I'm gonna check it out. I love all the versions. Batman Brave and the Bold has a really funny cartoon show. Uh, and then you have the animated series that's dark. It's such a flexible character. Let's get to the movie. Of course, written and directed by Matt Reeves. Peter Craig also helping him on, with the writing credits. You have Robert Pattinson as your Bruce Wayne. Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. Amazing cast. Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. Colin Farrell, Penguin. Paul Dano, the Riddler. John Turturro, Carmine Falcone. Andy Serkis, Alfred. Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, as District Attorney Gil Colson. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about some of the others later. Uh, okay, before we start with the movie, I want to know how many times did you guys see this and what was your movie theater experience like? We have just seen Spider-Man No Way Home just a few months ago with probably one of the greatest movie theater experiences since Endgame uh, for me and for a lot of people. I'm curious to know, Anthony, I'll start with you again. How many times did you get to see this movie, and what was the theater experience like? I saw it once. I wanted to see it again just to further digest, but unfortunately, just work couldn't couldn't go in and get get a chance to see a th- another three hour movie. It's a long movie. Yeah, couldn't couldn't do that. As far as the experience, I went on a Thursday night. I actually didn't know that it came out as early as Tuesday of last week. Uh, yeah, there were screenings on like March 1st. They had an IMAX screening yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So you could have seen it then. I didn't know that. Yeah. The theater experience, I mean, it was sold out. Nine o'clock showing. I was kind of tired. I-, I will say that this movie doesn't really lend itself to a Spider-Man No Way Home no, it, type yeah, of raucous not. experience. It does not. Yes. J- just in the, you know, yeah. we can get into why. Yeah. Um, I will just say... That towards the end, I don't know if we had like teenagers in there that were just restless, but they kind of were laughing at scenes that weren't that funny, weren't meant to be funny. So that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I definitely wanted to punch some people in the face by the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, so that crowd didn't help the movie, but by the end, people were applauding. So I just don't, even if there was, even if it was like an awesome crowd, I don't know if the, with the way the movie's directed and shot, that it lends itself to a, you get up and cheer yeah, type yes. type of thing. There's there's not many. It's not an end game or no way home yeah. or infinity. Was War there applause at the end? Yes. Okay. There was applause. Okay. Delhauer, yeah. how many times did you see this movie? I had the chance to actually see it twice. Oh, you son of a bitch! Only because once I knew for a fact I was going to be coming on here to talk to you guys, I decided to. Uh, skedaddle out of work this afternoon and go directly to a movie theater that was like 10 minutes away and see like their their early showing essentially so it's super um, fresh for you right now yeah i i, I literally <laughs> left the theater came home had dinner and now we're talking all right how's the first theater experience then the first theater experience was okay again like anthony said it's not a movie where a lot of people are gonna be jumping up and down and and going oh my god or anything like that the the one issue I had, there was one guy who very clearly like has not been to the movies in a while and forgot <laughs> oh, no. like there's an etiquette to being in the movie theater oh, no. because during the first scene uh, after the, the first kill that the Riddler makes, yeah. like there's there's that scene where there's just like a dead silence after it happens. Yeah. And I just hear a guy behind me go, well, OK, then <laughs> just out loud at normal level. And then the guy next to him is like, dude, shut up. He thought he was at home. Still. <laughs> and it was like, had to be reminded, like, you're in a theater. You can't fucking talk. Fuck this yeah, people you did. 
Um, and then there wasn't really anything beyond that, but then that same guy, like in the last 20 minutes, I want to say suddenly had his phone start ringing. Oh God. And he didn't turn off the volume and he didn't answer it, thankfully. But once it stopped ringing, he got up and left the theater. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, at least he took it outside. Uh, second viewing, I had very few people there and it was fine. Was there applause at at the end of your first viewing? No, there was not. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Rugs, how did it go for you? I saw the first showing in the afternoon uh, that was available. So I got the early showing. It was about, uh, you know, three quarters full. And there was applause. Okay. And you only saw loud, thunderous applause at the end. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I also only got a chance to see it one time. I'm dying to see it again, but there was just no fucking time. But I will go watch it again. Saw it the Thursday night, 7 p.m., same like you rugs three quarters of the way full it wasn't completely packed and then a little bit like what you mentioned anthony there were some parts that people were unintentionally laughing where you weren't supposed to but then there was also some like dark humor parts where they were laughing uh it, it had the effect a little bit of a horror movie that jump scares got a lot of people in my audience and then oh, yeah that happened too right and then the, at yep. the end there was a smattering of applause it wasn't thunderous it was just like a polite smattering of uh yeah good movie so uh there there was one scene that i remember i unintentionally laughed at yeah and it's 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 not so much i feel like the scene itself is funny it's there like when we get to some of the stuff that i'll talk about it there is a point where just a transition from one scene to another is is so abrupt in the way that it happens that like i laughed (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> also, Imran, I will send you at some point. I have a screenshot of all of the handwritten notes I took on my phone for my second viewing. Oh, because I have the ability to like write on the screen. And oh. that was the only way I could do it because there was not enough light to write on paper. Holy shit. Wait, you wrote in the dark on your screen like a serial killer. The fuck's Absolutely. going on here? Jesus. Wow. Fucking scribbles. Because I've always thought about like. I wonder if I could take notes while I'm watching this in the theater. I'm like, there's no, there's no I, way. I, I brought a notepad and I initially tried and I was like, I can't even see what I'm writing. This yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. So I, I took like, I have the, the Samsung phone that has like the pens. So you can like make memos and stuff. Yeah. So I'm literally writing like in, in white on a black screen, oh. like little notes about the movie the whole time. I purposely put myself in the back row off to the corner. Okay. So I was nowhere near anybody. Oh, so that way smart. it's like. No one's going to be bothered by the fact that I'm doing this. Oh, but if someone like looks over there, they're like, what the what fuck is this guy doing? Oh, yeah, no. If, if anybody was able corner. to notice what I was doing, it'd be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> then yeah. it says, it's got to be like, he's got to be writing a ransom note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Corner. That, that or he's so bored by this movie. <laughs> you got to put in big letters on top, like notes on being a serial killer. Like you're taking how, notes of a Riddler. To, how to do a Riddler. How to do a Riddler. Heist. My only quiet time in the middle of a movie. <laughs> It's not creepy at it all. Is the only time I can focus. Um, okay, that's very good to know the context. Let's <laughs> sit there. Can you imagine? I yes, just wrote no more sitting. lies over and over and over. <laughs> and over. Just, <laughs> renewal is a lie. Renewal is a lie. <laughs> this this guy's guy lost in the corner. It. Oh, shit. This redhead in the corner just writing notes the whole time. Dopey looking oh fucking God. guy. Somebody call security. Uh, okay, Anthony, uh, okay, I'm going to circle back to you. When the movie ended, what did it make you feel? How did you feel? I was tired. <laughs> I was tired. Oh, I forgot to mention. Here's the trick. I downed a triple espresso from Starbucks right before. So that way, little liquid, no chance of peeing, and it kept mm. me up the whole time. 
I was tired. I don't drink coffee. Yeah. Um, Thursday night, it was like a nine o'clock showing. So it made me think, man, I'm getting old. But I'm tired by yes, like midnight at the end of a movie. What did I feel? I felt, I definitely felt the length. That's for sure. I, I felt like it was definitely a different kind of itineration of Batman than we've seen before. You know, inevitably it's going to be compared to, to Nolan's trilogy. And I saw some similarities to that, but just the overall pacing of the movie and the focus on uh, the detective work and how methodical and deliberate this movie is. I definitely felt like different than everything we've seen. And that, and that's good, right? Because you don't want it to feel like anything else, but it still felt like a Batman story. So different but still batman just another way of telling the story i i liked the movie i wasn't necessarily head over heels for it when i first walked out of the theater i think with a little bit of time i'm starting to like warm up a little bit more to it i'm so right maybe it's because i'm so conditioned to like the other batman stories and like a lot of the marvel stuff mm. but i never felt like the movie kicked into another gear at times i felt yeah. like it was always kind of in this like zone second third gear type thing mm. There are moments where it felt like it was kicking in and then it would kind of pull back a little bit. So I, I wasn't necessarily surprised by that because Matt Reeves does this. He tells dramatic blockbuster stories. If you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes, kind of a similar feel where you go in, you're like, this is going to be a big war movie. And that's actually like mostly a quiet, dramatic story about Caesar in a fucking prison. Like, yeah. this is like also similar where it's like you think that potentially three villains and or four villains and this could be a action packed movie but this is mostly just batman bruce wayne being obsessed with being batman and trying to figure out what the hell's going on but overall i did like it i like the fact that batman this this version of batman's a year two batman and isn't at all like bruce he doesn't give a shit about being bruce wayne like he's singularly focused on being batman it reminded me of the the animated series where he's like i don't think of myself as bruce wayne yeah He's like, well, what do you think yourself as? And is he like smiles because he's like he calls himself the Batman yeah, in his head. Yeah. So this is definitely that version. I think there's a lot of room for growth and uh, similar to like Batman's begin. I think Batman begins. I think this is a good start to a potential new trilogy. So right leave on. it at that for now. Right on. Uh, Rugs, I'm going to go to you now. I'm gonna switch it up. I, after this was over, I was like, all right, now. We've gotten the first piece done. Let's see what this next film is going to be. Because <laughs> You're ready to go to the next I one. feel like, yeah, okay, I'm okay, everything's established. I like what they did um, for the most part. I, as I said, um, I was satisfied with the film. I didn't have any, like, really negative feelings towards it. There was some, like, you know, of course, I when I watch a movie, I nitpick it to death. But, like, in spite of all of that, I still was, like, pretty – pretty much satisfied with what I saw. And, uh, I didn't have, and, um, I also was at a theater that had like a great sound system. So like, I, I had felt like I just came out, came off a roller coaster. The rumble in the movie is fantastic. Yeah. 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 The rumble, you feel it. It did give you some, it didn't give me some adrenaline here and there. Um, so yeah, overall I was happy when I, the movie was ended. I, I felt like, okay, this was entertaining. And like, even though it was three hours, I, it, it felt a little bit less than three hours, but I still feel like the film could have lost a little bit of uh, fat. But yeah. So, Delhauer, I definitely do think this movie needs more than one viewing. The plot is so intricate. There's a lot of shit going on. What? Uh, how did you feel after the first and after the second viewing? Any differences? I fucking loved this movie. I fucking Ooh. loved it. Fucking loved it. <laughs> um. 
like so I I am a very big Batman fan. It, it, one of my favorite characters of all time and for a while like everything that I was hearing about this movie I was entirely on board for it. Like the moment Matt Reeves came out and he's like, yeah, this is going to be a, a Batman detective movie. Like we're going to see him actually like working out clues and solving crime and, and being the world's greatest detective, which is a thing that I have wanted for so long. Like ever since we got the tiniest bit of that in the dark night, when he was trying to hunt down Joker, I was like, I want more of that. Yeah. I, and to be, to go beyond that and not only do a detective movie, but it is a full on serial killer mystery. It is a straight up noir film. I I agree that I felt I felt the three hour length by the time we're getting to the end, like within the last 30 minutes of the movie. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, this has definitely been three hours. And once you get to the point where the main kind of plot and everything is done and we're really kind of doing the wrap up slash yeah. teases for another movie. I'm like, guys, fucking let's get out of here. This is done. We're done. We're out. We're, we're we're over. Let's let's give up by now. But so after the first time, I was really ecstatic about it. I, I was so happy with what I saw. Um, I, I, I know I remember hearing somebody somewhere had had commented that they they thought that this was, quote unquote, the like no way home of Batman movies. And I had no idea what the hell they meant by yeah, that. What I'm not sure. And I was, I was like, "Are you telling me that at some point he's going to team up with like Michael Keaton and yeah. Christian Bale to solve the Riddler crimes?" Yeah. But I think what they meant was this movie is the ultimate amalgamation of Keaton and Tim Burton era Batman mixed with Nolan Batman, mm. and then you have Matt Reeves bringing his and also a very david fincher-esque style yeah, I mention that into what he did with all of the detective work like seven is really huge of an influence it's like almost as much as the scorsese films were for the joker right like fincher was yeah. for this absolutely and so it was just this movie literally felt like they took everything i have loved about batman movies since I was born the bat the first batman movie came out the week I was born oh nice and has smashed them all together into one movie. And while, yes, I definitely felt the three-hour length by the end of the movie, walking out, the first thing I thought was, I would watch the four-hour cut that Matt Reeves says he originally had of this. Right. Not in a theater. <laughs> yeah, at home. I'd do that at home. HBO Max. And I'd probably break it down into, like, four chunks, but I would watch it. Release the Reeves cut. Well, if you if they went four hours and you were writing in the corner for four hours, they'd like by the fourth <laughs> hour they'd be jail. like they'd be like you got you, sir you got to <laughs> what are you doing we <laughs> cannot we cannot let this continue you would be by arrested hour number three of you scribbling <laughs> no more lies they'd have you, to you've been you writing out. endlessly you clearly have shit yourself <laughs> uh, no I agree with you Dalhauer like at the end of this movie I was very pleased I was entertained it was gripping it held my attention. Uh, for the whole three hours yes it was long but there was a lot going on uh and i thought he did a brilliant job the one place i do disagree is where i don't i felt like he didn't shoehorn setting up things for other movies i felt like it works as a like what they used to do back before marvel movies it works like a standalone movie and there's a couple of things here and there that it's they're very subtle and not in your face that you could definitely pick up for a sequel, but it, to well, me, it didn't feel like all this is just getting ready for the next movie. You know? There's a lot of stuff throughout it. 
that you can go like, oh, wow, that's that's like some some Batman comic book lore that we haven't touched on in movies that you could definitely explore. Yes. And then you get to the very end where you go, oh, this is blatant. Yeah, I will agree with with Del Howright. I thought that scene in the in the prison. We'll just jump to that because we're on it. But that scene in the prison where the Joker is introduced, yeah. Barry Keegan yeah. is the Joker. Yeah. Spoilers. First off, yeah, spoiler. Yeah, uh, that wasn't, that was, everyone knew about that. But um, I, first off, when I saw that scene, me and my friends walked out and we were like, was that the Joker? Like, we, so, so right away we were like, to have to question it, I, I felt like, okay, so it wasn't that clear. Secondly, the way, for the reason for me it doesn't work is because there's really nothing in the movie that's building up to that. It's just a tagged on scene. It works for Marvel because Marvel does it as a post credit scene. Right. So it's like a extra. He put it but in this the is movie. part of the yeah. movie. It's just a weird way to introduce like the major villain. Like, I agree. And I know Matt Reeves had said in an interview that apparently they had a scene in the movie initially that yep. they cut. Yep. Where Batman goes to Arkham and talks to Joker See, that in a very been, like that would have been like too much. Hannibal Lecter style of like you yeah. know I need to get into the mind of this killer and you're the person who would tell me yeah and he was like it doesn't fit the narrative of what we're doing here and it feels like we're forcing this character in to just have them there and I feel like that's exactly what it was at the end too. I got a medium warm take. I'm tired of the Joker. Well, yeah, we've had a lot of Jokers. I, I don't think I don't think this series needs to go to the tease the Joker in the sec in the first movie. We've seen plenty. I think Barry Keegan will probably do an awesome job, and I'll probably if he's in the second movie, I'll probably end up liking it. But I don't. I, I on at this moment, I'm tired of the Joker. Furthermore, Batman Begins does the same exact thing. Yeah. The end of that movie, there's the card and it's the Joker oh my card. God. You're like, oh, yeah. Joker's in the next uh, one. And then this one is the start of a new trilogy and they go, oh, <laughs> Joker's in the next one. Well, and I don't, they, like, they necessarily might subvert expectations it. and do something else and then save it for the third one. Per, perhaps. Yeah. But I'm just saying at this moment, plenty of other villains in the Batman rogues gallery that haven't ever been on screen or done right. We don't need to see the Joker. Yeah, we can do Court of Owls now that we've dropped the thing. They completely set up Hush. Yeah, they set up a lot of things. You can do Court of Owls. You can do Black Mask. You can do Calendar Man. You can do fucking uh, Ren and Stimpy. I don't care. (laughs) I don't want to see the Joker right now. Yeah, let's do Space Madness. There is is a Joker story I could see them go with because it would fit this very grim, dark Matt Reeves universe. But even then, number one, that's got to be a full-on rated R movie. Yeah. is doing doing the the man who laughs. Um but beyond that it's like I I agree with Anthony. I could see an entire trilogy without the Joker and I'm not going to be upset about it. The reason why I don't think it's that bad is just like you know, partly is the fact that like the Catwoman is not the Catwoman yet. The Penguin really hasn't become the Penguin. This is not yet the Joker, <laughs> but he's left so many threads that he could drop this for three movies and come back to it and it would be fine. He's just left so many ways to go, which I thought was a brilliant move with, uh, without it. Maybe it was a little, I a little think it's forced. a little bit too, um, like presumptuous, like, like, okay, like this dude, like we haven't even seen how people react to this film yet. And we're already setting up this other thing. It's kind of weird, but I mean, like, yeah, it's I mean, very, Marvel it's does very it. Warner brothers. Yeah. Marvel does it all the time. The problem too, is, like, this is Batman's most iconic, you know, villain in his rogues gallery. So, I think the the thing that I also am a little iffy on with it is that I 
I appreciate how much this movie decided it wanted to be its own thing in how it went about the characterization of a lot of people. But to then, towards the end, really kind of build on the idea of this entire story is like, well, he's Batman, but he's not Batman yet. And also, she's Catwoman, but she's, but she's not, not Catwoman yet. Yeah. And you get, like, this whole thing of, like, well, we've just told you this three-hour fucking movie, but none of these <laughs> characters are really the character that you like just yet. It's a slow you're burn. Like, <laughs> you're like, okay, but also, like, maybe they could just be who they <laughs> are. Like, they could grow and change a bit, but I also don't always need it to be, like... This is the the prototype that's going to lead well, to the thing. It, it's either they do that or they tell you like in in uh, the new Spider Man movie. Well, now he's Spider Man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like oh, but yeah. now he was a Spider- after three now, movies. He's Spider Man, and Finally. we're going to never come back to Ooh, this. That was a long origin story. I, I know. I don't necessarily mind that he's not fully Batman yet. I like that. Like the arc of. I like that. There's an arc to the character, and by the end, he kind of. You know, realizes the error in his ways. I, I thought that moment in the movie actually hit pretty yeah, well. It is. So. Yeah, it's just I feel like if we're gonna if we're gonna kind of slow burn that, I don't want to then build into the idea where we're then hinting towards the end with like the villains, where it's right. like, well, this was a version of the Riddler before he's now going to become like the Riddler we knew, and it's like. I mean, but also we've built this character in a way where he's not going to just suddenly change his personality and mental state. Well, you don't think you're going to see him in a onesie with question marks all over? <laughs> exactly. <him? Like, laughs> it's it's I, I, we built on the idea that his entire thing was like, I'm doing this because I think I'm the hero. And then we're going to turn it into, well, now I do it just because I want to prove I'm smart. Well, I mean, right. it is very much what Matt Reeves has said is like, this is a villain's origin story. But yet, you know, it's solidly focused on Batman. So the juggling act, I thought, was great. Let me ask you guys this. The point of this, what is, his goal really was to how do you make this movie stand out? It being the 15th appearance of the ninth actor. How do I make this stand out from everything that came before? Do you think he succeeded? It's tough because Nolan did did such a great job and he hit certain things so well. Yeah. And there's other things that he missed on. But yes. like the things that he nailed... He fucking nailed. Yeah. So it's like uh, hard for Matt Reeves to go and put a stamp on the character without kind of like having to either dodge or kind of like not kind of step in the same place that Nolan did. Yeah, but those things that he missed, those things that he missed are important. And that is a huge opportunity for Reeves to make this stand out. And I think he did, you know, being a lot of the action fight scenes uh and uh the detective stuff the detective the action, stuff yeah the action so, sequences the yeah. fighting yeah I, I would agree i think i think he did a really good job in terms of making this guy stand out because first it's it's although there are a lot of villains this is still first and foremost a batman story yeah. and i think he complements that by having the riddler be a villain that can pull out the detective part of him so it's this cat and mouse game and and you know we haven't really seen other than that weird reconstruction of a bullet to get a fingerprint, which I still don't understand the logistics of in Dark Knight. <laughs> probably the one of the weaker points of the Dark yeah. Knight. We've never seen Batman really be a detective, yeah. so I think he played to his strengths with the Riddler and this itineration of the Riddler. And in that in that sense, I felt like most of the movie we are hanging out with Batman, yeah. and we are just kind of following him along. He doesn't have like a like I think Paul Dano is really good in this, and I think. Colin Farrow's hamming it up, but there's not like a, there's not a Joker in this movie, right? Yeah. So there's not someone that's stealing the scene from Christian Bale every time he sits gets on screen. 
So in that sense, Robert Pattinson's there to mope around and, and be super determined and emo about everything. And we, we follow him throughout the movie. So I think it did. I think it did stand out. Yeah, the same thing. In, in terms it's of being same different. thing happens in Batman 89 where Nicholson is literally stealing every right. scene away from Keaton, you know, and this happens every time you have the Joker. Delhauer, do you think he did enough to make this stand out from the other movies? I do. Uh, you know, I agree that absolutely. This is probably one of the first movies that feels like Batman is the star of his own movie. He has very much been the the second character in a lot of the movies that he was a part of, except for maybe Batman Begins. Yeah, maybe Batman Begins. Um, but it, it's I think one of the things that I, I do wonder is that, you know, when I mentioned earlier that this movie feels like it took the best parts of Nolan, the best parts of Keaton, and then it also had like a very heavy layer of David Fincher over it, is I could, I like during my second viewing, I, I remember thinking to myself, I cannot find a part of this movie that I could definitively say this is a very Matt Reeves moment. Huh. Yeah, I huh. felt like that was so influenced by so many other things that it was kind of more of an amalgam than anything. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's truly a auteur's. Like I feel like the 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 um Apes movies are are, are like more okay, Matt that, Reeves. Yeah. I thought I saw Matt Reeves, I thought in like the shallow depth of focus and Kind of the lens flare and some of the shots. Oh yeah, let's we could talk about the cinematography a little bit. This, like this, the cinematography was fucking so gorgeous. Let's contrast. Nolan's got this way of doing these things, and it's and it is kind of um, there is a film grain to Nolan, and but there, it's very clear yes. at the same time. I was, I was gonna say because Nolan Nolan was so big on doing the IMAX camera stuff. Yeah, yeah, that it was it was everything was in focus yes. like to to the point of being like even the human eye does not see this exactly. much in, in one moment yeah and but this one the lenses that they're using are very short range focal lengths yeah. right and so you have a very limited amount of things that are in focus and at first i thought the fucking something was wrong with the projector <laughs> yeah i <laughs> agree out, focus and then all of a sudden it starts to like i think that it was done in to create a sort of an atmosphere. He's guiding your eye. He's setting up his composition. Right. Which does help uh, certain scenes, but, but I don't think overall, like it, all the time it's, it's fun, but I think that it definitely, that's a signature thing that he did in this. I, that I see more than anything was that to control the focal length, to make everything seem like it's like, it, like certain things are, are just escaping your, your point of view. I will say the one that sticks out in my mind is um, the scene when Riddler captures the DA in his own car. Oh, yes. That's like there's a horror the, movie. It, there's the whole bit where he attacks him and he hits him over the head several times. Yep. And then when he pulls him back and he's duct taping him, and putting the bomb around the, his the collar, whole thing's absolutely out of everything is out of focus. It's still it's and so it great. really kind of it's puts you into right. that yeah. that that disorienting sta disoriented state of the DA and the fact that like this man's just suffered terrible like head trauma. He has no clue what's going on and neither do we. Well, that, that's that scene was like he literally, I think, stole not stole it, but was inspired. That reminded me a lot of the original Halloween yep, when the yep. guy when, when Michael kills the girl in the car, oh, yeah. the car is like fogged up. It was like the same kind of it feel. also it also had. Uh, and I mean, it, again, going to David Fincher, you know, very clearly from the way the characters played out. There's a lot of the cinematography at times that was very much from Zodiac. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's just weird when you have this like kind of like wide angle lens or this wider focus and, and things kind of spread out 
and everything here is like kind of pushed to more of a claustrophobic feel. Like mm. everything's kind mm-hmm. of like pulled towards the center. Yeah. It just, it, it does create like a, I mean, one of the widest shots that there is is when they're in the Wayne apartment or whatever that fucking thing is that yeah. looks like a fucking gothic church. Yeah, and shit. His, yeah, his man. And all of a sudden, like it pull you pull out and it seems more expansive in that shot. But like yeah, the 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 uh, high rise tower that's also apparently a gothic manor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what I mean, I, I definitely agree that Reeves was inspired by a lot of things, but I think one of the goals, which I think he accomplished, is he definitely. As you kind of mentioned earlier, Rugs, like Gotham's his own kind of character. Yes. Yeah, and he and he decided that I'm making Gotham a character in this. And movie. It works. Like, and and other art directors have done it too. Like Burton does mm-hmm. it. I felt like the first Batman Begins, like the Narrows, kind of felt like Gotham was a character. Nolan kind of got away from that towards the end, where it just felt like it was just Chicago Pittsburgh and Chicago. Yes. It's just yeah. Chicago. Yeah. But this one, he definitely. This one, he definitely. I think the the mood of of giving it that Fincher vibe makes it feel like this Gotham is this dirty fucking place. You had like the older cars, you had like the seventies cars yep. and stuff like that. Just the graffiti and the litter and how it seems da- dangerous. It's always raining. It was shot in a lot of it's England. So uh. it's like, they have like these windy streets and yeah. just, I, 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 they must've done some CGI to kind of made, made it more expansive or whatever. But I did like it a lot. It, it, it had some cobblestone streets. It had some this and that. It's absolutely I, a character. I love this Gotham. I was like, it felt like New York in the 70s to 90s that was like really dangerous and you had to have your head on a swivel. But it also felt poor. Like these people were struggling because all their, you know, the, they got no money. The city's fucking bankrupt. You felt all that. And it's it's also it just felt like Gotham itself was such a smaller city in general. Mm compared to what you had with things like the Nolan movies where he was filming in five different major cities all, you know, across the world to be like, well, I don't want Gotham to look like any one city. Yeah. But now it looks like it's fucking three States wide. Right. It looks huge. Whereas here, when you have that, yeah, when you have that moment where he goes pulling up the carpet in the Riddler's uh, apartment, yeah, it's very and small. It shows it shows the entire map of yeah. Gotham. Yeah. That's that's fucking Newark, New Jersey. Yeah. Like that is a tiny ass city, <laughs> a city where people are literally living on top of each other. You know, very reminiscent of Batman Year One, the Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli's kind of Gotham. That's dirty and dangerous. Uh, here's some other things I appreciate it. Stuff he put in that's never been done and stuff he left out that's always been done. Stuff he put in, the inner monologue. I always wanted that because that's some of the best shit in the comic book. Batman comics is hearing him think through his process. Um, I thought that worked. The diaries. Yeah. Right. He's, it would have been called, cool if they didn't just bookend the movie. With I know. It, I wish there was a little bit more. It just starts and ends with it. Like, but What do you think? How, how do you feel about narration? Like, some people say that it's like the fucking biggest, most laziest shit ever. I think, but it, like, I think he used it well. He didn't he use it, it to, well. He, it's okay. Yeah. I don't think he used it to explain things. Let me get in. I just, let me say real quick and then Ron, you can continue on some of your things. I think he did it. Okay. I do like the narration because Batman is very inner monologue, yeah, always, right? He yeah. doesn't have a lot of people that he talks oh. to. And this movie even more so because he's so uninterested in being Bruce Wayne. The only person he's really talking to is Alfred, yeah. and Alfred's not really in the movie. Yeah. So actually, I would have preferred that he had more yeah. um, narration throughout the movie because for a lot of the movie, Batman is just, you don't really, at least for me, 
you don't really feel what he's thinking Very at all. Well, I, I do yeah. I do actually enjoy this kind of like doing a lot of like just looking around yes. but but you see that the mind is working and stuff yep, like that. Yep. It's kind of like the internal acting and he does that he does that very well. There's moments and there's things where he just you know gives somebody a glance and then all of a sudden okay, like we get what's going on and um that with a little bit more of the internal monologue might have worked pretty cool. I mean, Pattinson definitely brings this quiet intensity. He's acting the shit out of his eyes, and you could see the <laughs> rage is, yeah. just underneath. Yeah. Like he did it so well. And here's something that he didn't put in that everybody else has done. And I was so glad we didn't have to see goddamn Batman's origin again. He's not. He didn't even care. He knows everybody knows it. And I was like, thank fucking god. You didn't have to waste another five minutes doing well, the they, origin. They do at least allude to the past, which um, which which is all you really need to do. You yes. don't need to do a shot for shot, no. you know, pearls and fucking popcorn yes, type shit. Snyder, so talking to that's you. what everybody calls it now, yeah. right? So, um, but um, you don't have to do that. Like you, you don't have to do that scene. We we know it by heart. But like you could, but you can do it from another perspective. I think it was interesting. That, um. Even the first Batman movie where Vicky Vale finds like the, the news clipping and just, but like they, of course they go back and they do the, and they do the whole the, thing. You don't need to do it. No. If you just have the newspaper. Clip. Yeah. Have we learned nothing from Tango and cash? You want to move the plot ahead? Just show fucking headlines. <laughs> <laughs> That's and all yes. you got to do. Tango and cash Rocky. I think Rocky four is just told in, in model <laughs> or uh, montage. Newspaper clips and montage, the laziest yeah. way to do it. No, I would want more. I want more of the inner dialogue. Cause that's the shit. He's always talking to himself mid fight you know and really gets you in his head of how he's and this is a batman that is not completely refined he's good at some things but he get he fucks up a lot he gets his ass handed to him uh which was great you still see him in a kind of a novice mode but not too novice just year two novice this is not a pit of mud it's an operating table <laughs> let's talk about uh i guess we should just talk about battinson himself this was Hotly debated casting the minute it happened. I think that that as long as the person acts well and uh, is physically imposing, I think that's all you really need um, to do. I mean, Christian Bale was was good. I think he kind of seems to be the most quintessential Batman because he seems like uh, uh, like a rich player. He has, you know, he was he's always playing these rich guys, right? Like uh the American psycho right, and right, all right. that stuff. Yeah. Like, so I feel like he's perfect for it, but in, in that way, he's got that persona, but I think that, you know, Pattinson did good. He, he's like six foot tall. He seemed imposing. He's, he was towering over everybody. So not a huge like, physique though. Like his, when he had his shirt off, I was like, huh, he's kind of like, kind of yeah. a skinny Batman here. Yeah. He's kind of a skinny. Well, I wouldn't Batman. say he was skinny, but not yeah. skinny, but more of a svelte body. Again, reminding me of like the Batman. Uh, he's Frank not Miller. like Batfleck. We're no, like the hulking no. Batman. He's like the he's year a fucking one. Sh- brick shit house. Yeah. Or whatever. How the fuck you say it? I don't know. That's, that's I think <laughs> one of the things I really liked about the fact that he wasn't so gigantic or unbelievably cut, and this goes hand in hand with the costume choices that they made for him is it becomes very apparent that the only like one of the major reasons Batman is so imposing and so capable is not because he can deadlift 500 pounds. 
it's because he's a a martial artist and b he utilizes his costume itself as a weapon like they they make it very apparent throughout the movie every time he walks into a room those are like fucking 10 pound boots i know and they are absolutely made of steel yeah (laughs) well yeah let me talk about the the, i'm gonna say my favorite part of the movie okay is the beginning oh where he's got the voiceover and he's talking about that you know this signal is it's a warning yes and that criminals are a fucking afraid of him and you see people robbing the store and he looks into the into the darkness and he's like is he there right and i'm like that is fucking brilliant like just to look use the darkness use the darkness even with nothing there that he could be in any fucking dark corner waiting to get you like the boogeyman and i was like that's fucking great, and I fucking love that. I, I I was smiling from ear to ear when that fucking scene went, played out, and I was like, if they could carry this through the whole film, it would be great. They didn't waste time that, showing that him awesome. too. Like he right you, when he first steps out of the shadow to take that street gang down was a, such a great intro, and I was like, oh man, they're getting right into it. Like it didn't. And take the long. acting was great, even from the bad guys, like that one kid who yeah. didn't want to be there, or yeah. it was he was maybe he was he was being hazed or. Or broken into the gang. He was being and he was initiated. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh it just he was very interesting. It was Halloween. Yes. And they should they should have done more with that, but they they kinda like it was just they they just kinda like peppered that in there, but it wasn't like it should have been a cooler um use of that the, that holiday. I think that kid who he had he was half painted, so like this must have been a hazing. That yeah. actor I believe is the same actor that plays Tim Drake on Tiddens. Yeah, and I, was, I, don't, I was like, I don't know if it is. I was like, I don't know if it, I don't know if he's if he's Tim Drake. That's why I was like, is this guy Tim Drake? Is this gonna? Are they setting that? But they could. Mm, they could I'd set something at, up later. At, at year two of Batman, no, it's a little early. I, I would say that uh, just real quick on Pattinson. I think he did a good job. I think he did a really good job. Yeah. I think Batman's always Batman's kind of a thankless role to play. Yeah, especially yeah. because. You, especially these latest versions, like up from Keaton on, you're you're not you know taking out the Schumacher movies because those are just jokes. Batman's not a character that like is someone you really want to be around. Like this guy isn't the most fun person to be. Like he, you have to play him as a super determined guy, and even this one, even more so, right? Like he has no interest in being Bruce Wayne, so he is singularly focused on the mission. There is like a little bit of humor, but he's not like. He's not the most charismatic guy. So I think that's a really tough role to play. And a lot of it is these quiet moments of him searching around, looking, being a detective, observing what's going on around him. You know, like a lot of like where he's already figured it out before everyone else, but he's not like putting it in anyone's face. He's just it's just kind of matter of fact, like I'm I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I'm not going to show that to anybody. So I think he Pattinson does a really good job with, I think, actually a really tough role to play. That's true. I yeah. one of the things that I uh, uh as far as Bruce Wayne is concerned in this movie, there's a lot of people talking about Bruce Wayne, he was too depressed, he didn't do anything, he should have been more of a playboy, so blah blah blah. Emo. No, okay. <laughs> he's hyper focused. He's yeah. just starting this this mission. He's trying to fucking make an impact. He really doesn't give a shit about being Bruce Wayne. No. But and that's fine. And he could be dour as Bruce Wayne as fuck. I don't care. The problem with Bruce Wayne is that they didn't give Bruce Wayne anything to do. Like, 
Bruce Wayne, even though he's not going out and having like hookers over and shit like that, or showing up and buying houses or whatever he did in the other movies, he what he bought he bought a hotel. I don't know. He wrote a check somewhere and took a swim in a fountain. Like he bought the restaurant. Do, yeah. Oh yeah. He doesn't have to do all that. Yeah. He just has to, have to do something as Bruce Wayne, like have a meeting, show up somewhere. Like you know, like he had nothing to do except he went to a funeral. He like, has no lines in that whole like, funeral. He should have had something to do as Bruce Wayne. He that did was have like the one thing going to the club. The third, the second time he went as Bruce Wayne to get stuff done, to get answers. Yeah, but it's it, it, that was it. He was basically being Batman at that point. He has yeah. to do. He should be doing something that only Bruce Wayne could do, like have a meeting about charity or have a meeting about something, but something that where it's only Bruce Wayne can do that. It feels like they probably had some of that stuff in a longer cut Mm. because they very clearly have the moment where he comes down he's showered he's you know eating breakfast and he's talking to alfred and then um uh what's her face aunt harriet i don't know what her name is yeah basically comes (laughs) walking (laughs) yeah comes, comes walking in and says you know the the accountants are here yeah and they're like oh okay and then we just cut to a different scene where now we're back to doing detective stuff again yeah it feels like there probably was a scene where like the accountants come in and they're talking about like, well, you know, the the books for Wayne Wayne Enterprises isn't looking great, and it'd yeah. be really good if we could get you know you showing up to do this, this, and that. By the way, the mayor elect has been called, or you know, the, the 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 woman running for mayor has been calling. She really could, you know, use you backing her for uh for mayor. And it's just like the problem was is we had so much to go through yeah. with what we wanted to do with this detective story, and we had a character who was so focused on he didn't want to be Bruce Wayne. So we weren't going to spend time being Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I mean, it was purposeful. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, we'll probably see more of it down the road because as his character grew and recognized, like, I can't just be vengeance. I have to be hope. He'll also see, like, I also can't just be Batman. I have to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. There's room for growth there. So you give us the Batman up front. Um, but that but moment, does he really not need to be vengeance? No, but he we, he does it. He does not need to be vengeance. I think he got there by the end of it. He did realize. No, he's asking, does he not need to be vengeance? No, like, it's, he doesn't just need to just. be vengeance. That should be in yeah. there a little right. bit. Yeah, I, I liked that, that. That part hit for me because I liked the fact that Riddler was inspired by Batman. I liked that. Right. Riddler kind of looked at him and is like his partner. Like he thought yeah. this whole time that it was work. They were working together. Well, if you actually see it, Riddler actually did more for Gotham than Batman did. And yeah, he 100%. manipulated him. And he like fucking got, he was cut right into all the corruption. Um, of course his methods were fucking bad, he but exposed he, it all. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, it, uh, well, he did, but then he also inspired a group of people to, to flood it like new Orleans. Yes. And, and then try to wash away all the sins of humanity. Yeah, if, they, like, if you like, didn't have that part, like God, <laughs> you didn't have that part that like where he had like the following that was bombing people. I was like, oh shit! Like you just beat you at your own game, Batman. Riddler would have been great if it wasn't for the fact that he radicalized a bunch of incels to start firing guns at hey, people. It happens. Yeah. We've seen it happen. You know, I thought that was a great kind of topical point, along with like the corruption. But God, that. The red flare scene and him like the baptism of Batman and him finally coming out to the people and helping him fucking beautiful moment. I, I like I liked I liked the action in that scene. I will say it didn't necessarily land for me as much because I felt at that point in the movie we had been building up to this conflict between 
Batman and Riddler mm-hmm. or Batman and, and Carmine Falcone or mm-hmm. someone like that. That was all that taken off the table. They're all taken off the table. Yeah. And now it's Batman and a bunch of goons that we've never met. And I agree, like, by the end, I get where they were going. But, like, the the emotional, my emotional investment in seeing Batman beat up a bunch of people with a kind of, like, a weird mission where I don't really know, are they just going to be gunning down right. random people? Like, yeah. I didn't feel like the stakes were as high as as it would be for if like Batman had been going head to head with someone that um, they had built up throughout the entire movie. Well, I'll if if I may field this concept for a moment. Yes, one of the things that I saw today as, as I was getting ready to go and see the movie for a second time is apparently one of the big controversies going around is about how this movie is quote unquote more woke garbage coming oh, from Hollywood. Yeah. How's that? Who the fuck uh, is saying this, this, shit? this has to do with the fact that uh, some of the arguments include the only two good white people in the whole movie are Bruce and Alfred um, because they made Jim Gordon black and they made oh. uh, Catwoman black. Uh, the fact that there's a line that Catwoman has where she refers to all the victims of of Riddler as um, white privilege assholes. That's true. <laughs> That's the <what we laughs> way. It is true. That is exactly what they all are. Yeah. And funny enough, even even at one point, like the Riddler makes the same point when he's talking about Bruce Wayne and how I was an orphan. I lived in an orphanage that was completely forgotten about. But all anyone ever wanted to talk about was Bruce Wayne because he was an eight year old with billions of dollars. <laughs> Oh yeah, but it was it. So I think the thing that that really you could lump in there. I mean, I feel like it is a thematic concept, but it's not as blatant as some would say. Is that the end of this movie isn't Batman versus Riddler as much as it's Batman versus QAnon? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, much. You could see that. Yeah, where it's it's the idea of like these these people were radicalized by someone who basically was feeding them what they wanted to hear in order to make them violent. Yeah, yeah but, they were they were radicalized by that, but also they were radicalized by Batman, right? Like that's the well, yeah, vengeance the, line. The, the inspiration about you know I am I am vengeance is the idea of like, well, this is what you do, and he's like, well, no, because I haven't killed anybody, but also at the same time, no one seems to get that. So yeah. it, it's the classic, <laughs> it's the classic like Batman escalation story. Like we saw it in Joke yeah. in uh, Dark Knight, where it's like the minute you put on a mask and go outside the law, you've enabled all of society to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it okay that you get to do it's, it? It's it's the exact same line when when um he's talking to Riddler and Riddler says like, you know, I love your mask. I wish you saw me in mine because we both know that's who we that's really are. That's the real person. Yeah, I love that. I love that line. Bruce. Yeah. Wait. Oh my god. I have questions about that. I have lots of oh, questions. I, I'm very excited to talk about I'm very excited to talk about Paul Dano as Riddler when we get to yes, it. Yes, we're going to get to characters. We're going to get to the music, the action. Right now, we're going to take a quick break. Before, though, I want to tell the listener you want some cool podcast swag. Visit our Public shop, jockandnerd.com slash shop. We'll get you there. Link in the show notes. You can get some awesome apparel, tank tops, hoodies, T-shirts with Rugboy's face with our logo, old logo, new logo, cell phone cases, mugs, pillows, lots of fun things. There is a sale starting the Wednesday this show comes out, running through Sunday. So you can get lots of fun stuff. $13 tees. Pick it up right now. Wear it. Support the show. Send us a photo. But right now, we're going to take a quick break, play some promos, talk about more Batman, and figure out, is this the best Batman movie yet? We'll find out right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
I'm Imran. And I'm Sophia. I'm the brother. And I'm the sister. And we are watching a show about cousins. We're your hosts for Dance of Joy, a Perfect Strangers rewatch podcast. We grew up watching the 80s hit sitcom, and now we'd like you to join us every week as we rediscover our love for our favorite TV cousins, Balky and Larry. You can find our show at danceofjoypod.com and on all major podcast platforms. Now we are so happy, Sophia. We do the Dance of Joy. Iman, this is a podcast. They can't see us. Oh, po-po. Attention podcast listeners and YouTube watchers. I'm Logan, the host of Mostly Superheroes, a weekly pursuit for the world's best stories with an emphasis on live-action superhero stuff. Every week, join me, PC Mike, The Giggler, Scotty Scoop, and Carrie as we talk MCU, DCU, books, TV, movies, and more. MostlySuperheroes.com is where you want to be. Watch us on YouTube, listen where you get your podcasts, and we'll see you Monday, Sunday on Patreon. Enjoy the rest of the show. Listener, if you enjoy the show and you want to support the show, there's something you could do. You could join our awesome fan club. Visit jockandnerd.com slash Patreon, where you can support the show on a monetary, monthly, or annual basis, and you get fun stuff like access to an exclusive RSS feed where the shows come out early. We post bonus content. We all posted our instant reactions to the Batman uh, right after we saw the movie. Those are a lot harder to do than you think, listener, because you just haven't processed the movie. And I'm, it's mostly rambling, but it's good to get it out. <laughs> it's good to enjoy. Woe is me. You should feel sorry for us for doing this. <laughs> yes. Just give us money because we're going to do more of these. Uh, you, we're going to do half-assed. We're going to do half I don't know. It was great. Thanks. No, it is hard. It is hard, but it's a fun exercise. Uh, you also get access to our private monthly Discord Patreon-only hangout where we do what do it once a month. This next one will be Thursday, March 24th, 8 p.m., uh, and you can come and geek out and talk about whatever. It's lots of fun. So all that's there, jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Back into the Batman. I want to know, I kind of want to break down these performances of these actors and the, and the relationships Batman has to some of the characters in the movie. I thought they were really well done. Uh, and we also have to get to the story. I mean, the plot is so intricate. But let's start here. Did you know Zoe Kravitz auditioned for the role of Catwoman for Dark Knight Rises and was told she was, quote, unquote, too urban, which is, you know, Hollywood speak for, you know, you know what it means. Which is a shame, and he went to Anne Hathaway, who she did a good job, whatever. Uh, but Anne Hathaway is notably not urban, not urban at all, completely opposite of <laughs> urban. Uh, but Zoe, I th- uh, what'd you guys think of this version of Zoe Kravitz Catwoman and her particular relationship to Batman? I thought she was fine. I I I, I don't know if she had charisma. Um, she was hot. That's really all you need to do. Yeah, woman. The stunt woman did all the other work, which is you put the mask on. So really, it was fine. Like, um, Michelle Pfeiffer to me, um, even though she was not like the Catwoman of the comics at all, she was just she was hearkening back to like the the sixties Batman, you know, with Adam West yeah. and shit. Yeah, and, but she had so much like like presence. Like you can't you can't forget the meow. Like you, you just that one word. Yeah. It's just super powerful. Zoe Kravitz, though, is like, you know, she's she's gorgeous. She's, um, you know, got, she had this vulnerability, which was nice. But um, 
you know, she was fine. I, you know, I have nothing really negative to say about it. I think she was fine. I just feel like other actresses stand out in just having charisma more. I think. Well, how did you think they used her? Her, you know, they do share a kiss. What did did you feel that was forced? Was it organic? She is both, you know, his sidekick and a character and a femme fatale. All at the same time, uh, reminded me a lot of Frank Miller, Mazzucelli, Year One, Catwoman. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that she was that iteration of the character was interesting. It's a different take, definitely. Uh, Anthony, what did you think of her and uh, the character? I-, I liked, I liked her. I like, I liked the actress. That being said, I think you take out the entire Catwoman story, and this movie doesn't change at all. Oh snap! Uh, yeah, the movie is basically the same movie without her in it. I think that's one of the things, just in my opinion, that I think could have trimmed down the movie. Hmm. I get why she's there in terms of there's another layer to this mystery. She kind of helps him investigate. Yes. Um, she also is like another character that he can maybe be a little bit more vulnerable around, yeah, right? Yeah. Like he, with the kisses yeah. and stuff. You know, because again, I mentioned earlier, he doesn't really have anyone to bounce off of yeah. in this movie because Alfred's very much sidelined. So I get why she's there. But I just don't think she's really that necessary to the plot. Furthermore, I felt like one of the weakest points of the movie is was the was their little like motorcycle ride towards the end where they're like riding together and then they do the cliche fork in the road I'll and they see ya. like we'll go this way uh, and they and they like do the like the lovers going in different directions I go and I was just like and like. I was just like at that point in the movie I was just like this movie just needs to end. <laughs> This is so long and so cliche. That part, people were laughing in my theater. They oh, thought it was God, super really? cliche. Yeah, yeah that one. But that one, I was like, uh, this is like straight out of like every love story. Because like, like the way it even plays out, he, she's like, you know, you could like come with me and forget all this. And then she goes, oh, you're spoken for. And then she le- he lets her leave. So she's riding away in the motorcycle. And then you, you see him catch Look, up to her, yeah. ride past her. And he looks and back they do in this, the mirror. Like, they do this like winding road shot yeah. where they're like clearly in like in Europe somewhere. In cemetery, right? winding. Yeah. yeah. And then they do like, the, it was like, it was just so long. I mean, it was one of those things just in, in overall, like the movie definitely was like very methodical. And this was another very like long methodical scene. So yeah, I, I, I liked, I like her. I like the thing. I was entertained by her character at some points. I, I enjoyed like the tension when she's wearing the, the, the wig and the eye. Oh, the eye piece. And, eye pieces yeah, but that was great. when i thought about it more i'm like this movie doesn't change if she's not in it he checked out her ass as she was driving away in the rear room mirror he's like no, no, nice as he should <laughs> let me get one I last look that's yeah so she fucks off the bloodhaven essentially telling him the city's fucked it's beyond saving i'm out of here and then she knows obviously he can't he doesn't think he's that way spoken for yeah he he thinks the city is worth saving tell howard he loves the city what's your take on the cat woman she knows he's married to Jim Gordon. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yes. <laughs> um, Potentially. Yeah. I think one of the things I really like about uh, Zoe Kravitz's uh, interpretation of Catwoman is I feel like she is the first person since Michelle Pfeiffer who has gotten the body language yeah. of Catwoman down yeah. proper. Yeah. Um, whether it was the stunt person or they actually had Zoe Kravitz herself do it, there's the moment when she is lowering down into the mayor's office to try and break into his safe and the little pose she's doing while she's on like the, the rope or the whip or whatever it is that she's lowering herself down on is straight out of a comic book. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so, this one's amazing about this movie is it's grounded and still comic booky. 
Someone is able to pull a hit both And then there, there are a couple of times where it may be a little too comic booky for how grounded it wants to be. And then there are a couple of times, I, Rugs will bring up, that it may be too grounded for its and own There good. are also times where it might be <laughs> trying too hard to be too realistic. Uh, uh, yeah. But I, I think what I really like about her take on it is that it's very obvious that Zoe Kravitz, while she probably understood Catwoman as a character, probably read, you know, the comic books. That tends to be a very common thing with actors going into these roles. Yeah. I feel like what she did was she hearkened back to the very classic film noir femme fatale. Yep. Rather mm-hmm. than trying to embody Catwoman as a comic book character. Mm. And I think that's where, like, the vulnerability comes from. Mm-hmm. It's where the whole concept of, you know, there's there's this flirtatious competition between the two of them. Which even goes to the, the the moment that Anthony was talking about with them driving, you know, riding the motorcycles through the, the cemetery. This is supposed to be calling back to the moment when they first went racing back to her apartment after they first met. Right. Where the whole concept is they keep pulling just a bit ahead of each other yeah. and then letting the other one pass yeah. and back and forth. Yeah. Because they're both so emotionally stunted. This is the only way they know how to flirt. Well, so and that's the thing. <laughs> I, I, that, I appreciated that because it also is similar to Michelle Pfeiffer's Batman. They didn't really do that with the Anne Hathaway Catwoman. But Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman had kind of a flirtiness with Bruce that worked. And yes. Well, Anne Hathaway had no chemistry whatsoever. No, she, no, she, no, she did <laughs> It wouldn't have worked if they even tried it. Christian Bale had a tough time building chemistry with any of the female actresses. Oh, like my God. That's a good point. I was going to say, I, I feel like I, I can't be certain, but I I feel like the two of them didn't like each other. And they was, it was just like, <laughs> you, work you, you could tell through the movie that yeah. they were like, yeah, I'll work with you. But that's it. But they're very similar. The fact, you know, and and Keaton's Batman says the same thing to Michelle Pfeiffer. You and me were the same. Same thing happens here. And I, I thought that worked. I love her. I love her little costume with the little pointy ears, knit hat and the open mask. Like, the, again, straight from the comics. Here's a question I have, though. Uh, that I only thought of after going through the second viewing of this movie. Do you think going into the the deep dark noir stuff, sort of like Chinatown? Yeah. Do you think there was some kind of weird incestuous thing that happened between her and Falcone? Yeah, that was that's actually like he had it because you're right. Like he had a, a a thing for her clearly. Yeah. Like he he thought she was special. It's clear he doesn't. By the end, he doesn't know until she reveals it to him that he's his father her father and in the way the first time they meet up in in the the 44 below he is treating her as if this is someone he has slept with that then ghosted him and like he hasn't seen he's like oh hey haven't seen you down here in a while and then she's like very uncomfortable about it then clearly we have the moment at the at the the funeral where bruce thinks she's with him but then it turns out to be somebody else i mean you can put that on there if you want I and think that's, that it's, that's the it, thing is it's it's never blatant. Sometimes I think when in the interest of writing they put they put these red herrings out there to make you think something, and then all of a sudden you don't know what to think. The whole father yeah. thing is also from uh, the comics. It happens in the long Halloween animated version, and there's like a another Catwoman series. I hate that, by the way, where she her her, her father <laughs> was, is a, as a crime boss. Yeah, it was also it was part of um Jeff Loeb's Dark Victory. Oh yeah, the sequel to Long Halloween. That's where it came. I out. hate when they like I hate Hollywood writing, and there was a lot of Hollywood writing in this, 
where I mean, obviously it's a Hollywood movie, but like <laughs> where they just do like the cliche, everything is intertwined. Like the Riddler and Bruce Wayne are intertwined. Everything's intertwined everything's with his connected. dad. His dad's connected to Falcone. It's like every this Falcone's the dad, and the you know it's just like way too many things. And I like the fact that there should be just like random things happening because that's how the world is is random. I absolutely agree, but I also think that that's that's also very very much noir. Is that in in film noir, especially like the old forties, fifties, you know, noir? Like the big thing was everything is tied together so that when you get to the end of the movie, there is not a question as, well, what about this or what Uh about that? uh And you're right. It's 100% golden age Hollywood writing because they're like, you can't leave people wondering what happened. They got to know everything and then we're out of here. Yeah, I still think it it bugs me. I just don't (laughs) like it. Yeah, I'll I'll piggyback and just say like, again, I think she just, if she's not in the movie, that takes all that stuff out and we're just... We're, we're chopping this up. We're, we're tightening this up. A I little think bit. the one the one thing that if you get rid of her and granted, it's not like you can't find a way, but mm-hmm. you get rid of her and especially her like, you know, daddy issue storyline is what what do we do to, to then have Bruce running off to get to Falcone right. immediately? Like it's it's there's there's the ticking clock of she's going to kill him. I need to make sure that she doesn't so I can get him yes. and bring him to justice. But it's 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 you could find a way, but it's also one of those things where it's like she played enough of a part in one spot that you can kind of be like, and then she's in the rest of it. It's fine. Well, I think that the the purpose of Catwoman is for to be a foil to Batman, right? Like Mm -hmm. to kind of, number one, distract Batman or give Batman the opportunity to be a person, you know, because like all of a sudden he's like, oh, there's someone out there like me or we're we're kind of doing this thing. We're flirting with each other. We're doing this together, but like we're kind of going on an adventure together, and we're kind of like living at the same time, you know. And I think that there was some of that there. It was kind of like you know peppered in. Yeah. But, um. We spent a lot of time with, yeah, like Anthony said, we spent a lot of time with this, like looking for her friend at the the, the girl, and I didn't give a fuck about that <laughs> at all. And yeah, I was I, I was actually we're like, there's a guy named Maroni that is a major character in this and we never fucking even see well, what he's the already fuck. been put away. They put him away already. Yeah. But like, it's just weird that they keep talking about this yeah. guy. They don't even have a shot of him. Do they? I don't even remember. I mean, uh, no, no paper clipping. I, yeah. think, I think at the same time, I'm okay with the idea of not having Maroni in there because like without doing the Batman origin or the death of his parents, it builds a world that feels already lived in. We've already had events that have gone down in the past two years that we don't need to be caught up on. We're just, we just need to be living in this one week. By the way, this movie takes place in a week. Oh, it does, oh, doesn't really? it? Wow. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Uh, we need to live in this Halloween. one week of their lives. <laughs> I didn't know that. How, how'd you figure that out? Just curious. So the, the opening of the movie is Halloween, Halloween. And at the uh-huh. end, they make a comment about it being like November 7th. Oh, oh yeah, wow. that's right. Huh. Wow. In a one week, he flips his whole thing and man, and, and never fucking stopped raining. No, it was raining yeah. the whole time. It's a monsoon season. What a miserable! What are we in fucking S- Gotham, Seattle, Gotham? What is this? I was gonna say this is this is you know Gotham is the way of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. L A. It was never really established in uh, seven two. What city that was? Right? Mm-mm. Was that supposed to be L A? Because it doesn't uh, it was, rain it like was that. In LA. It was Gotham. It was in Gotham. <laughs> West um, I think. 
they never actually say it. I've I've heard theories that uh, it might have been L.A. It might have been Detroit. Uh, what? I, it seemed like they were out west. I think it's, but I then think they could go to the Mojave Desert. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. It ends in the desert. I, I, then never mind. I don't know. But like, <laughs> it's, I think one of the big things for Seven was they were really trying to play on the idea of like it could be any city in America that has a desert nearby. Right. 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 <laughs> Gotham. Not to, not to not to detour this, but it's just amazing amount of rain gotham also there's a, a shortage on light bulbs i guess it's very dark all the time but uh well, you know the renewal yeah, renewal, yeah, man. Renew- renewal was gonna light the city and now man, look at it. Man, it's been taken over everyone's corrupt okay we <laughs> have Fuck you thomas wayne we have to let's move on to a character dalhauer mentioned a little while ago jeffrey Wright's lieutenant james gordon he is not commissioner yet you know and this i this gordon i really dug this gordon way different than J.K. Simmons, obviously, and uh, <laughs> J.K. Simmons, <laughs> way different than Gary <laughs> oh Oldman God. being the other one, uh, and the big fat guy from Batman '89. I don't even know that actor's name. Uh, <laughs> but this, I mean, John Belushi. Th- it was John Belushi. This Gordon, this is like a buddy cop mystery movie. I mean, they're like bros. They, he's looking out for him. He whispers to him to punch him in the face and how to get out. Of the police station, which was uh, kind of funny, uh, and uh, helps him out, and he's protecting him the whole time, and it's it's just great to watch to watch them see how close they already are. How he's the only guy you can trust, obviously, in the GCPD. Uh, Anthony, what did you think of this, Gordon? I mean, Gordon's you know Gordon's not like a a huge huge glamour role, but I, I enjoyed the I liked the way his like speech pattern was. Yeah. It's like. Who are you talking about, the DA? <laughs> What's going on over here? I, I like the uh, I like that he like vouches for Batman yeah. and has him like Batman's kind of working with the law because of Jim Gordon. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't have a ton. I, I think he was fine. I think he was he was he played a really he was really he did a really good job. My favorite scene was them to whisper to each other. <laughs> Uh, lovingly in the cell the about face. how they were going to fist each other later. <laughs> that that was great. I, I thought uh, Jim Gordon was cool, and I thought my, one of the best scenes was at the was at the end of the movie when he when Fal- Carmine Falcone comes out and Gordon says something along the lines of "You see, not everyone's in your pocket, Falcone. Not everyone's <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a some, bad man." Some good cops there. Yeah, I just like the way he talked. <laughs> his speech pattern, I liked. I really enjoyed. He was channeling some of his Basquiat performance. Oh, is that what it was? I mean, he's a great yeah. actor. Uh, Dalhar, what'd you think of Gordon? Uh, I did like this version of Gordon. I agree with Anthony. The the way that that Jeffrey Wright plays him is very interesting. He has this this simmering like gritted teeth way of saying absolutely every line of like he's with me i brought him here like it yeah. almost like i can't, i feel like i can't do it because i'm gonna start falling into like macho man randy savage like, Clint Eastwood. like we, we, we need a, a movie where it's we have two commissioner gordon one is him and one is benicio del toro and they can both do that like with their teeth acting the thing the thing that i actually really love is there's a couple of moments with with jeffrey wright's uh jim gordon that I know there are definitely going to be, be people out there who point to them as being like bad acting moments, uh-huh. but I love them because they are so over the top that they fit into an almost comic book style, yeah. like the, the stylized aspect. My favorite moment is there's the point when they have just captured the penguin and they think he is the rat that's part of like the Riddler's right. clues. Yeah. And he, yeah. he picks up the picture of, of the former commissioner's like face after it's been chewed away by rats. Yeah. 
And he's like, well, how about you see what happened to my old partner? And you just have Colin Farrell being like, oh, what are you showing me here? Ah!" And then it it, it, then immediately goes to Jeffrey Wright. I'm probably going to blow up my microphone doing this. But it said Jeffrey Wright holding it in his face going, open your eyes! (laughs) And in his face. It's it's like such an Al Pacino moment for the character. But I'm like, I just love that Jeffrey Wright's way of like being like the big angry cop is just like so ridiculous and it fits the world of Gotham. It really does. And this he had well he had to have watched Al Pacino's performances in a lot of the <laughs> I, cop I, I, I had to have. Because yeah. there's also the moment when they're in the diner and and they 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 pick up Riddler after the the whole, you know, after his big moment of revealing that it's oh my god, it's Paul Dano. <laughs> um <laughs> and like one of the cops is like is like put your hands up and then there's a, a moment where nothing happens yeah. and then you could definitely tell it's Jeffrey Wright because you hear his voice do the same thing where he goes he said put your hands up you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> I love it before. <laughs> I mean there were some like dark funny dark humor parts like the whole thumb drive bit was well, yeah, there's, was there's pretty that, funny or, uh, or when, he, when he meets up after uh, after Batman escapes he's like you know uh, you could have pulled that punch and Batman just goes I, I did, did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great line <laughs> I mean and some of the humor like in the beginning when he he brings him into the crime scene and the cops like walking around and then he kind of like bumps into Batman and he's just Which, like, by the way, me. <laughs> I'm so happy. Jeffrey Combs. I'm pretty sure that was Jeffrey Combs. Oh, that that one cop that the, was the, like the, the detective who was who was working the, 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 the scene. Yeah, I think that's Jeffrey Combs. Who's I Jeff- was happy. Who's Jeffrey Combs? Do you remember the movie uh, Reanimator from the 80s? I've heard of that. Yes, I remember it. All right. Well, that was his big claim to fame. He's he's a a, a big like genre actor. He's oh. done a bunch of, of horror stuff. He was also in a lot of Star Trek. Okay, but like yeah. he's he is such one of those guys where like if you know who he is, you've probably seen the stuff he's in and you'll enjoy him. Otherwise, that guy. he's one of those those guy actors. It's that guy. <laughs> what about the cop with the mustache with the pipsqueak voice? That uh oh um. That's guarding the the Riddler's yeah. house at the oh, end. The guy, yeah. yeah, the guy at the end. Yeah. He's like, you're not supposed to be in here. No, oh. he's the guy from the prison that Batman threatened or whatever. Oh, but, oh, the the one that was guarding the 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 iceberg lounge. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Not the twins. He's the guy. I think he's the chief. The, Are you talking about the guy that gets killed in the beginning Pete of the movie? Savage? No. Commissioner Pete Savage. Or are you talking about the guy that, that Catwoman brings to no, the when, when they when, when they the when guy? Batman gets taken into jail and no one takes his mask off for some reason? Yeah, that was weird. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was it was like the the chief. And there was a was, guy. Was, yeah, when, a, when he says, he says, like, you know, he he would rather talk than, uh, rather die than talk. Was he afraid of you? And he's like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, he's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I missed that guy. Who the fuck you think you're talking to, Batman? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that, guy. that guy. Okay. You, yeah. that is, you know what? There is a lot of, like, funny, like, people talking in accents. In <laughs> yeah, this, like, yeah. like the just 70s like, New York. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, ran, the random, like, the, the, the chief of police apparently, like, blew his voice out 10 years ago and never got <laughs> it back. smokes a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> you son of a yeah. bitch. I did love how Gordon called Batman chief. He's like, or man, he's like, come on, chief, calm down. Like, they're pros. They're fucking bros. Um, does he call him that? Does he call him vengeance too, or is that penguin that's calling him? Ven, that? uh, and, penguin and Catwoman, and Catwoman, Catwoman call him vengeance. vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, vengeance. Ven, yeah. It's kind of funny. You know, my fa- my favorite line from from Penguin: "Hey, vengeance! You think you're gonna take my money? Well, let's talk about <laughs> Penguin. How much fun was Colin Farrell having in this role? I mean, I thought it was so much fun to watch every scene he's in. The, <laughs> that was incredible. The fucking prosthetics are insane if- and." 
Uh, I, you can't even tell what he looks like. I thought it was great. And this, I feel like if, if Jeffrey Wright watched like Al Pacino performances yeah, in Colin order to get Farrell, ready, who did Colin Farrell he, watch? It was De Niro. That oh, was, was straight yes. up Bobby De Niro. Yeah. yeah. Like I will I just sit there. He's like, ah, yeah, you know, you go come into my club. Ah, you know who I am. Do you know, do you know my reputation? Ah, you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's him being De Niro to like the, the nth degree. <laughs> I love how his nose is a little crooked and like in certain angles, it looks like a little beak, like a fucking penguin. I got Joe. Oh, dude, got that was, Joe. that scene was amazing. Like that's probably one of the better action I scenes in the movie, uh, was the fucking chase scene. Through the streets and then that whole resolution. Holy the shit! Pres- that was great. I would say I would say about uh, Farrell. All you need to do is just play him in his regular voice. Like just play. You look up Colin Farrell, YouTube yeah. him, and have him talking like a regular interview, and then just play this, and you're like, oh my watch, god! Watch the movie In Bruges. It's <laughs> oh, one yeah. of the few movies yeah. he's ever done where they just let him be Irish Colin Farrell. You you kind of knew though he was going to ham it up, right? Oh, like, yeah. we've seen him as yeah. in Daredevil. I mean, this is the guy Bullseye. who was Bullseye at Daredevil. Yeah. Holy shit! Like what a completely different spectrum it, of acting. And it feels like it was just like with Bullseye. Like they came to him and they were like, "Yeah, it's it's a villain in a comic book movie." Yeah. And he goes, "Oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I'm just gonna go crazy." I'll just, uh, you want me to be a cartoon character? Well, it's actually a really kind of serious crime job. I'm going to be a cartoon character. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, let's move on quickly. Don Turturro, I thought, also did a great job as Falcone, filled the role well for what he had to do. I thought he was fine. Yeah. It's John Turturro. It's John Turturro right? being yeah. John Turturro. Yeah, he, he did a serviceable yeah. job. You Similar, know. Andy Serkis not given a lot to do as Alfred, but does it well takes the it, bomb for bruce and andy circus it felt like they basically were like you know this was the the, the this was the michael kane role just play it and he was like eh, okay i'm i'm the british butler yeah yeah great i don't have to do okay. an accent yeah don't sound like michael <laughs> the, the only difference was like they they definitely they didn't even hint that they overtly said that he was the one that trained bruce yeah so yeah we, we just kind of know that he was the he like had some sort of combat experience military maybe and then decided to butler yeah he does make the comment when he's like undoing the cipher he's like oh reliving my days in the service right i feel like he was like thomas wayne's uh it was their bodyguard and then just kind of became the butler because somebody had to be there just pretend to be my butler yeah i'll just pretend they they definitely uh i'll just say on 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 circus and just the and uh alfred's performance in general his itineration of alfred this iteration of alfred excuse me that they definitely banked on just you know who Alfred is because oh, yeah. they don't have a ton of scenes between him and, and Bruce and then he, you're supposed to feel like when he gets the bomb explode like oh my god Alfred's mm. dead but you, you don't really know this version mm-hmm. of Alfred but then again Alfred. you're like but it's Alfred. Yeah, you're like, no, it's, everyone knows it's Alfred. You're really relying on the fact of the yeah. other movies already yeah. set this up. It's, yeah. it's one yeah. of the notes that I wrote down today while I was huddled in my dark corner in the theater. <laughs> not to get I, I said, I actually wrote down, I was like, I wish we spent more time with Alfred because I feel like in this movie, we get like three scenes. And in all three of those scenes, it's just Bruce being like, you're not my dad. You're not a Wayne. <laughs> yeah, he's just being. And then, a like, and then, he, then he gets he gets blown up with a bomb, and it's suddenly like, oh my god, Alfred! <laughs> he, he gets blown up with the bomb, and then he wakes up. Like he wakes. He's Bruce sits there like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> wakes, waits for, yeah, wait, waits for him to wake up from his goddamn coma, me. and goes, "You lied." Yeah, to that's me. the first thing like, he says. He, he just throws it in his face. He's like. 
No, like, how are you yeah, doing? Yeah, how about how you feeling? You okay? Uh, yeah, I, oh I'm going to give you a second awake. to recollect your thoughts. No, it's like, you fucking asshole, you lied to <laughs> me. Last, the last thing we hear from the nurse when she comes walking out is, well, we're hoping he'll stabilize. Right. Like, he, <laughs> and then, like, the next scene is just like, you fucking piece of shit. You told me my dad was a good man and he got a guy killed. I took a bomb for you, you asshole. That's it. I'm not your butler. I quit. <laughs> Should have just fucking walked off. Okay, that brings us to Paul Dano's Riddler. You know, playing off of other live action Riddlers. Of course, you have the great Jim Carrey being crazy over the top. Frank Gorshin from Batman sixty six. That's about it. So Paul Dano coming in. Did you, for you guys was it creepy or was it too one note? I've seen a lot of people saying it was a little too over the top. I personally thought he was maniacal and creepy and unpredictable, and I kind of loved his weird delivery of things. Uh, you know, he's borderline almost become like a joker, but he he manages to keep it in a different direction. Uh, Del Howard, this time I'll start with you. Oh, my God. I love this. Yeah. So one of the things, another thing that I've said for a while, especially on top of, oh, God, I wish we had a detective Batman movie is. I cannot wait to see a live action version of the Riddler that is not just a Joker clone in the sense that we've right, seen right. with Jim Carrey and Frank Gorshin, where it's just a whole lot of <laughs> I make funny riddles. <laughs> um, the fact that we decided to just make him into a straight up serial killer is awesome. It makes him terrifying. It makes this a horror movie at times, and it makes the Riddler feel like a character that is actually worth investing in, is actually worth Batman's time. Uh, the I will say that in the sense of a Riddler that feels like he's a Joker clone, yes, there were points where I feel like we fell into Dark Knight territory with his handmade phone camera videos about, like, I'm going to kill all the politicians yeah. until they admit that they're all corrupt. Uh, but the difference was, was that this was a man who basically decided he had a mission to cleanse the city, while Joker was literally just saying, I'm going to murder people until Batman says his name. Yeah, no, I love which that, is great. I love that he was two steps ahead of the bats all the time and was actually manipulating him into the, doing what he wanted. The moment when I think one of my favorite moments from this movie. Now, I will say this. One of the reasons that I love uh, mystery stories, detective stories, all that kind of stuff is I love stories that can get me guessing and keep me guessing throughout them. I recently learned that apparently a big thing that comes from having ADHD is that my brain just makes connections wherever it can. And I have instances where I can guess the ending of a movie. I didn't know this was a thing other people didn't do. <laughs> and that really took me by surprise. It makes me sound like I'm bragging. <laughs> I am now. But anyway, um, this Nerd. is a movie <laughs> where I literally could not guess what was going to happen wow. next wow. with with what was happening. When we got into the moment where there is the scene in Arkham where he's talking to Riddler for yeah. the first time what have you done and he is giving this whole speech and the whole time you think he figured out that Batman is Bruce Wayne did he though and he's taunting him with it and this is where we're going and Bruce is freaking out yeah unmasking the truth that yeah. means we're gonna tell everyone that Bruce Wayne is Batman yeah and then there's that twist where it's no he didn't figure it no. out and then He's sitting there after not having figured out that Bruce is, is Batman, and he's telling Batman, 
you're not as smart as I thought you were because he also didn't figure something out about the Riddler's plan. Yeah. And so it's this this instance of two very smart men who missed one major clue in what they were doing, both seeing the other as the inferior intelligence. Wow. I, I like that scene a lot, too, just because when you're first seeing it, I, I, I said it earlier, when he's going, Bruce. Yeah. And you can see, like, the way Pattinson's acting. It's he's all glaring eyes. at him with a side he's eye, like, oh, like oh my god, he figured yeah. it out. The, the, when he's darting his eyes over and looking at the camera, and you can tell, like, yeah. the, the thought is, is like someone's watching that camera. Someone else knows what's going on now. I, right. what do I do? Do I go with it? Do I unmask, or do I break the camera? Do I, you know, kill everybody in the hospital? What do I do? Yeah, it was. It, I thought that was a really well done scene. I liked, and I liked that. Uh, I'll just interject. I'd say I'll, I loved Paul Dano nice. as the Riddler. Yeah. It can be cruel, poetic, or blind, but when it's denied, it's violence you may find. I just loved his whole delivery. I have never seen the movie Prisoners. Yeah. But apparently he is also very good in that. Isn't that uh, Hugh Jackman I, is in that movie? Hugh Jackman. I think Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. It was uh, Denny Villeneuve who oh, just did good, Dune. Yeah. Whoa. Like a major part of that movie is like two kids get kidnapped and go missing. And the, the fathers of these kids think that Paul Dano is the one who yeah. took him, took them. And so they just take him prisoner and like torture him to tell them information. And apparently that's like a powerhouse performance from him. Like he's always been a very great actor in my mind. Yeah, so absolutely. When I heard like he's going to play the Riddler, I was like, I'm absolutely. I'm entirely behind him playing it. And I think he did such a great job in the fact that the first moment that you see him, like they do everything in their power to be like, look at how like cherubic and innocent Paul Dano looks. And it's this this wonderful moment of being like this fucking monster yeah, he's looks got, yeah. like this. Yeah, he's got like a baby face, a lot of like chunky well, baby face. And face. even even to the subtleties of like when he gets arrested and he sees Batman out the window and now he's smiling ear to ear because mm -hmm. his heroes here. He got. Yeah. And, and it's there's there's so many subtleties to how they built the character and the the mentality of him as a serial killer. One of the things that I really liked about that is um, that in the beginning of the movie, he actually does something. Yeah, like he actually is actively killing someone, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's and it's different than doing the whole jigsaw thing. You know, where like it's some, they had the rats and they put the thing on him or a bomb that explodes. It's just like he's actually in there and he actually kills somebody. The, the reveal of him. Oh, and the first time is the great. The first time yeah. in the mayor's house. It's a great jump scare. It's fucking horrifying. Yeah. Oh, just and I so love still. it because yeah. what I think is so great about that, that whole thing, but as well as there is a great moment that you get throughout the movie that I caught the second time going around and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't even realize it the first time the opening shot, we get that POV of the Riddler watching the mayor's family through like binoculars right. or something. Right. Later on, when Batman goes following Selena back, he to does her the apartment, same thing. It's the same exact thing, mm -hmm, except it's they him. Now. do the same shit. They it's are. The only yeah. difference is the result. They're, they're the, they're the, Two sides. They play it off as they're the two sides they of the are coin. The in yes, they're inverse of each other. Absolutely. And it's one of the things that I think is so interesting about Batman's rogue gallery and, and Batman himself is that almost every one of Batman's villains is an aspect of his personality, yep. which is turned up to 11. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, Riddler, Riddler in this, it's it's his it's not just his intellect, but it is his drive 
It is his ability to blend in. Like we see throughout the movie, he doesn't just go around as Batman. There's plenty of times where he's going around in a ball cap and a fucking like neck gaiter hiding that he's just a regular person so that you don't see a man in a bat costume on the, the, the fire escape across the street looking at you with binoculars. It's not until the end of the movie that we even see him riding his motorcycle while in his full costume. Because now he's not hiding. He's now a symbol. Yeah. He's come stepped out. I mean, the inverse of Batman stepping out of the shadows into the light and Riddler kind of staying in the shadows uh, and having Batman bring things into the light for him. So if, exactly. He, you if, know, you've seen, um, amazing. if you've seen, there's a couple good Paul Dano performances. If you've seen There Will Be Blood, yes. he's, oh he's, my he God, does a really yeah. good job there. And yep. Kind of creepy kinda yep. in that one. 12 Years a Slave, he's kind of a, a gigantic racist asshole so like yeah. i knew i along with i i also be- believed when i when i saw that paul dano was cast i'm like this is gonna be different but it's me he's gonna be he's gonna be good i think he's, he's gonna be a really great actor there. swiss army man i thought he was really good into and there's but he's just so good he was in the looper <laughs> what a, what a weird ass movie yeah it's a lot movie. of farting yeah yeah, yeah. but it's 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 good it's, it's a very like, good movie. it's a weird ass movie it's but weird. it's enjoyable yeah. <laughs> Uh, what have we not talked about? We talked about the action. You want to go favorite scenes? Let's go favorite scenes. So who, who's got, what's your favorite scene, Anthony? The first one that sticks in my mind is the scene where Batman and, and Catwoman are trying to, to, to get to the, that drug house that now the Riddler or not the Riddler, excuse me, um, Penguin, Penguin is running Yeah, yeah. and they're getting shot at, you know, by uh, hiding behind the car and Batman disappears and you're like, Oh, like Peng- they're going to catch Catwoman here, and then you just hear the engine go. Oh, the, you feel the rumble, and you see that blue flare <laughs> yeah. come out of the back of that car, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's the yeah. fucking Batmobile!" Oh, I and love it, this it. It just starts that whole epic chase scene, and but like that that fire of the Batmobile, like being there, like out yeah. of nowhere, like he had it parked there, and he just went, yeah. got gets in, and they, he turns on the engine and revs it up. It's like, oh fuck, here we fucking go, like that. I felt like in that part, that move part of the movie, I was like, okay, we're kicking into gear, and it definitely kicks into gear at that point. Yeah, no, that I love that. I love that whole chase scene. Rugs, what was your favorite scene that sticks out? Well, I said the beginning of the movie. I think is my favorite. Oh, the part. opening fight, yeah, yeah. I think that that really, um, for me, set the tone of Batman and uh, the fact that he he is scary and he almost comes at like <laughs> when when he is. You know, I think they must have cut. Some of the punching out because it didn't seem as extreme uh, in context mm. of him beating the shit out of that guy. Um, but I did enjoy that a lot. I also I mean, just in general, I thought it was really, really uh, good. The movie overall, like as far as that type of tone. Yeah. And uh, feeling noirish and feeling like there is like sh- a lot of shadows and black and everything around it. I, I really like that a lot. Dalahar, you have a favorite scene? Uh, I agree with Anthony that the scene that made me like excited and cheer was the 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 moment when they revealed the Batmobile and that entire chase scene is brilliant as well as I think it is one of the coolest uh, practical stunt shots when they have the shot where the camera's basically on like the back wheel of the Batmobile oh, yeah and it does like that that 90 degree slide stop and then you see Penguin's car come into frame over top of it and tumbling down the the, the highway. Uh, but I would say, I think honestly, my favorite scene in the movie, I think it might honestly be 
the interaction between Batman and, and Riddler in, in Arkham. Oh, the interrogation scene. Mm. I think the scene where they're finally face-to-face and talking is brilliant. I love the fact that they they basically tied in the whole entire concept about, like, you know... Uh, First off, so did it, one? I don't. This this is apropos of nothing, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Did anybody catch what the the two IDs he had on him were? Well, one was Patrick Nashton. Patrick's Edward and Edward Nashton. So there was Edward Nashton, which is the actual name of the Riddler in yeah, the comics. Yeah. The other one was Patrick Parker. Oh, Parker. Yeah. And I don't P-P. know exactly what that's no. supposed to be. No, I no. don't know if that's supposed to be like a a call out to Spider Man. Oh. Or something. Oh. I don't I honestly don't know. Oh. Um but anyway, I love the fact that they tied in that he was part of like the orphan boys choir that sang at Thomas Wayne's <laughs> announcement. Well, was the the reporter that w- Falcone murdered for Thomas Wayne was that the Riddler's father? That's hev- no. it's I think it's heavily implied that it is. Oh, oh, I don't think I, so. Really? I think it is because he's already in the orphanage. See, I, I don't know if I caught that, but I, I the reason I made that deduction is because because that reporter found out everything that gave uh, the Riddler the jump on figuring this all out. This whole this whole um, plot between uh, how corrupt the city was. It was his dad that figured that out. And then he takes the reins from there. Right. He finishes, finishes his job. job. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, yeah. no, no, no. My, my feeling was, number one, with the fact that the reporter's name was Elliot, we're going to have uh, oh, that's Thomas. Hush. That's a hush. We're going to have drop. Thomas Elliot come in later oh, on, and he'll true. be the son of the reporter who's hush. Oh, yeah. That's, they did what, do that's, why when they said, that's why when they said, oh, hush money, the word hush came oh, across the screen. Shit. Um, mm. My feeling was, number one, he was already an orphan in the orphanage that was part of the boys' choir when he announced he was going to be mayor. It was after he was running oh, for mayor shit. that the the reporter came forward and said, "Oh, well, I know all this shit about your wife." Mm, well, there's the point, other yeah. there's the other deduction I made that I didn't make, but I saw it online that his dad was somehow involved with Sal Maroni, and his dad just got killed by like Sal Maroni. So like they both had dads that were killed by people by in mobsters. gangs. Yeah, mobsters. very possible. Yeah. So because Falcone is responsible for the Wayne's murders, perhaps right? it's per- yeah. it's very uncle. It could be Falcone. It could be Maroni. It could have been, been a random guy. Oh, okay. But um, the the tie in that they did with him being a choir boy again is supposed to be a big thing about how like yeah, a choir boy who would down the road become a mass murderer, you know, and a, a horrible person and a monster. Because you never know who it is. They could be anybody. They look like normal people. The other thing I want to tie into when we get to it is how that ties into, I think, some of the really cool things that they did with the music in the score of the movie. Let's talk about the music. And how the music can tell character stories away from the movie itself. Wait, one, one thing yeah. One thing before you get into the music, I just yeah. want to mention one more scene yeah. that I thought was really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, the scene where the D, I think it's the DA is talking to Riddler via Zoom. Yeah. They're trying to figure out the riddles. Oh, and Gil he has Coulson the, at the funeral. And he has the time, and Batman's kind of helping him. Yeah. And then they get to the riddle where it's, you know, who's the rat, basically. Yeah. And he's not willing to tell it. And Batman's like, dude, like just give it up, basically. And you can hear Riddler counting down like, five, yeah, yeah. four. And he's just in the, like, Paul Dano is just doing his, like, psychotic best to be the most like deranged person having the best time counting down. I love that scene as well. And also this ties into the thing I talked about earlier about the scene that was unintentionally funny to me. 
I love I love that, but I, I also love like at the moment when he's trying to beg with him, and then he's all up at the camera of like you know you already deserve to be dead for what you've done <laughs> and all that stuff. But it was so the moment is you know you get through the whole moment in in the funeral where the car comes crashing through, and then Colson comes out, and they're all freaking out about like he's got a bomb around his neck, and the phone starts ringing, and they clear everybody out, and it's just all chaos. And then it's a dead cut to him sitting alone. In the uh, in the the the, the church, yeah, still, they cleared everybody out with the phone still ringing. The phone's yeah. been ringing for probably two and hours. The bomb, and the bomb squad robot, oh yes. slowly oh, yeah. making its way up to him, <laughs> and then it stops, and then the camera rises up, and then it flashes the flashlight from the camera in his face. I was like, the 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 hard cut from chaos to just utter quiet, quiet. in it yeah. is so jarring that it made me laugh. <laughs> well, you needed time for Bruce to put his fucking suit on and get it, there. It was, it, it was like people running around, everyone's screaming, and it's a hard cut to silence, and the only thing you hear is the, the bomb robot going, wee <laughs> as it's rolling up to him. Uh, Before we talk about the music, there's one big important thing we have not talked about, which is the suit. Rugs, what did you feel about this suit? Hmm. Well, I, I did like it. I didn't like that they didn't have the scallop things on the cape, like the the, the bat thing. I'm right. like, if you're going to be Batman, if you're going to wear a cowl, well, you know, come on. The, you know, the cape uh, comes in. It's a problematic for a second uh, where they're dragging him. Uh, and I'm like, yes, see, that's, that's why true. you don't wear a cape. Some people but could I, just pull on it. I, I thought it was fine. I, I was disappointed that the uh, chest symbol was kind of like never like really done anything. I think he, at one point he takes it off. He uses, it's where, a knife. He just uses it as a knife. And I thought it was, you know, we talked way long ago that it was like gun pieces from the gun that killed his Or parent. even a battering or something. Or a battering, like, was, but it's just like yeah. it's a, it's, he was a knife. And then he snaps it back on, I guess. I it was just weird. fucking love this cowl so much because. The cowl is cool. The cowl is amazing. It's, it just seems so real. It reminds me. Of like the Adam West cowl in a good way. I like the touch of that. It might be one of my favorite cowls. It's just his chin fits in there. The nose piece, the way the water just drips off of it in the rain. Uh, Anthony, what do you think of this suit? I I agree with the the cowl. At like, I think this was a good version where he he's, he's not too fat. Like you brought up how he was too skinny. I think yeah. he was perfect because yeah. uh, Ben Affleck. Christian Bale and Batman Begins, they, their face is so fucking fat. They in those get goddamn fat in cowls. the fucking suits, yeah. Where, whereas, like, his jawline and oh. the way the cowl is, like, perfectly constructed for his yeah. head, I thought he looked fantastic. I thought that I thought the cowl looked great. The rest of the suit was fine, but yeah. I think if you don't, if he doesn't look good with a cowl on, it, That's it all thing. goes to shit. And That's he key. looks, to me, with just the cowl, head up, yeah. the best Batman's ever looked. Look, yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Uh, and you know uh, he has on his forearm he has those like long silver things that's kind of like the talon from the court of owls he didn't do anything with that i don't know he ever used that uh but he had stuff coming out uh delhauer what do you think about the suit um i really like this suit the the way i looked at it was the suit felt like they took like tim sales artwork yes and they scaled it back and made it like militaristic i i, I like the fact that it's the shorter ears on the cowl yeah um, as well as the cowl has almost this mirror image to the Joker, not the Joker, the Riddler's mask. Yes, uh, yes the because nose they're piece both is this, this hand stitched leather yes. mask. Um, which really, you you really kind of get that sense when you get a lot of the close ups and you see the nose piece yeah. between the two of them. See the stitching. Um, the thing that I love so much about this this outfit is uh, so the the things you talked about on his forearms. Yeah. 
The only thing I could assume is I think those are batteries for the taser gloves. Oh. Because oh. he tases the one guy does, with them once. Yeah, okay, okay. Possibly. Could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know what this thing's are. Um, cool. I know the gloves themselves are full on just like Oakley military gloves because they've got like the the steel knuckles to them. Yeah. I was really hoping the chest piece was actually going to be a full batarang when he has that moment where he's standing up on the the, the rafters in yeah. the uh, arena. Yeah. And he sees like the electric cables yeah. knocking around and like, yeah. oh, my God, I think that's going to fall in the water. Yeah. I thought he was going to pull a chest piece out and just whip it and batarang the thing yeah. so that it, it like hit the box went a different way. That's fine. But um, the thing that I think I like most about it, though, is that with the cape, if you'll notice, it's the first cape that fully comes over his shoulders yeah. and connects to a collar. And he literally has a collar piece the, I, I that like comes the collar. up around yes, the neck. I like that. And collar I love piece. the look of that. How about that wingsuit? I thought this was interesting because we've gone from Bale's. I hated that. We got from <laughs> Christian Bale's. Here's some fabric that if you apply electricity gets hard. Too. This was, but it was an actual. It's the wingsuit these fuckers use to fly the squirrel around. Squirrel stuff. Yeah. yeah, but any asshole has that. Well, the Batman's in the asshole. Yeah, well, what's so special about the Batman? He's, he's he's got a built haven't let Batman have one yet. Yeah, he's just a different. <laughs> it, I, I, like, did, I didn't mind it. Yeah, but I, I, I did. I did enjoy that he like. They have like a, a like a, a moment where he just like crashes to the yeah, ground and like stumbles caught. away yeah. just completely well, eats shit I like shit. the fact that he runs up to the top of the roof and he goes oh shit yeah he's like oh my god he was hesitant to deploy that wingsuit yeah. yes. I think it was yeah. I think it was interesting in the way that the way the wingsuit worked is that it was the cape and he had to fold it around him and like zip it up around him and then it became the wingsuit in order to use it yeah uh, I don't know where the parachute came from well, I got the feeling that was the first time he fucking tried that, that shit that out. Was oh, uh, from his bubble. Which is, yeah. let me tell you right now, you got to test this shit, Bruce. Yeah, I don't think he's ever tested it because it fucking... Because especially, go jumping. especially yeah. like the way the way that he ate shit. Yeah. You he, don't have hips anymore, no, my he dude. the bus. <laughs> Didn't he bounce off of a bus and he, shit? He bounced off the bus into the underside of a bridge yeah. and then hit three cars. Yeah, he just fucking got up and he's like, Ugh. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to limp away from yeah, this one, I guess. Yeah, awkwardly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, was, that was a weird. Funny. Like, he, like, limps away into, like, an alley and then it just cuts. Then the next scene, he's, back, he's he back at the, uh, the bat signal yeah. with a new cape. Yeah. He's like, fucking wingsuit. Okay, God, God, damn, up. God damn, being Batman ain't as easy as it looks. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> it's a good thing I'm only 27 years old. I'm gonna bounce right back from this. Okay, let's get to the music. Uh, first of all, let me say that it was sitting there. It fucking blew my mind. I was like, we live in a world where there's a Batman movie with a Nirvana song, and it couldn't be more perfect. I was like, oh my God, this really fucking works. Uh, but on top of that, the score, I banged on the score for only having two notes, sounding like the Imperial Death March from Star Wars. But I got to tell you, by the end of it, I sat through the credits, the extended, there's a part where he's, it sounds like he's just mashing keys on the piano. It's very like dissonant jazzy. And by the end of it, I was like, Fuck, I really like the score. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it is effective and it is uh, driving and it, you do remember it. Uh, Rugs, what do you think of the music? Ooh, I I like it, but I think that if you look at it as an instrumental piece, I think it's very monotonous. I feel like that it, the cue is great. Like, you know, it does feel like very like, uh, you know, kind of like foreboding yeah. and and like Jaws, it, you, know, you know, Jaws had two notes and made it work. It's they kind well, of do a similar thing here. 
Yeah, I Jaws guess. was also fifty years ago. I remember it was. Yeah. <laughs> also, you know, you can you can I just feel like that we have a lot of great. Um, I mean, I always thought the fucking the begin stuff was um lazy as fuck, and this is even lazier than I thought. I think it's more that. memorable than the 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 Nolan stuff, but it's no. Oh yeah, Nolan is is dun, dun, yeah. and this is. Dun, but I mean, dun, dun, it's no, you know the melody of Danny Elfman's. Da, 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 da. It's like a yeah. whole fucking orchestrated song with themes and melodies. This was a little more simple, but still effective. And maybe Anthony, what'd you think of the score? good it i mean it fits the tone of the movie it's deliberate and takes its time just like this entire fucking movie so <laughs> to me this is a very reeves thing yes yeah i mean it's fine I, I it's it's it after a while it does get very monotonous i mean it's uh it fits the tone though right like the score is very uh, like you know very monotonous just like batman's michael myers walk towards his yeah. victims it's yeah. the same thing yeah but you know it's, it's it works for the movie i don't i don't have a problem with it it's kind of more like of a baseline than an actual, you know, theme. It would be cool if they had that for a while and then they had something else kind of going over it. Like, you know, that kind of like adds another level. Maybe when Robin comes, maybe they'll do that. You know, like the second, you know, uh, thing that kind of intertwines with that baseline. It'd be cool to so do that. So I pulled up the uh, the soundtrack on Spotify, and Delhauer pointed this out. I think I'll uh, ask him about the soundtrack in a second. But the the titles of all the, the songs on this are like puns and riddles themselves. Like one's called Mayoral Ducting. One's called It's Raining Vengeance. And they're just amazing titles. Don't be voyeur <laughs> with me. Like, it's really funny. And I'm, I'm going to check out the score. Delhauer, you've listened to more of the score, I, uh, right? Yes, I, I listened to the whole score uh, at least twice as well. What, what's your take? So um, I'm going to music nerd at you for a little bit. Uh, not too much, though, because I don't I don't I'm not that much of a music nerd, but a little bit. One of the things I really like about this score is so when we are talking about the concept of the score and the theme and that done, 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 yeah. done. So the thing of is uh, that that is a phrase we like to refer to as a leitmotif. The concept is, is that it's just a, me- a melody that is used to in basically anytime you hear it, it's supposed to remind you of a certain character or a certain concept. Yeah. So that is that is what every time we hear that you're supposed to think of Batman when you're going through Batman's this movie. Coming. So as Rugboy said when he said, you know, I feel like this should be a baseline that is used where you have other things playing over it. As you listen through the score, they do that. Ah. There is a lot of instances in which uh, Giacchino, I think, is yeah, the way Michael you pronounce Gia- his name. Giacchino. I thought it was Giacchino. Giacchino. It, it could be. I'm I'm Irish. Why would I know how to pronounce the Italian <laughs> name? Um, but there's there's a lot of instances where he has these these little bits that he puts into the score that there are other things going on. Like listening to the album itself a couple of times. This really reminds me of the 90s animated series music. Ah. There's a lot more that goes on throughout a lot of the songs, yeah. but you have these bits that you constantly hear and keep coming back because that is those moments. Th- that is the moments in the music where he's trying to then lay in like Batman's influence into what's happening here or like this slinking jazz piano reminds you that, oh, this is this involves Catwoman in this whole thing. Uh, the thing that I, I think I love most about this is that there is. A, a song in here that's that is called just the Riddler or Riddler's theme, I believe. Yeah. And there's a lot of that that plays throughout it as well. But it is actually if you if you listen to this 
he outright tells you who the Riddler is in a way. Oh. With the music. Huh. The Riddler's theme or his leitmotif, because I'm a fucking asshole who likes to sound smarter than I am, uh, is based off of Ave Maria. Okay. Which is, yeah. which is the, the theme cor- in the whole movie. It's the choral song yeah. that we open the movie on. Yeah. It's the choral song that Riddler's children's choir is singing yeah. at Thomas Wayne's inauguration or whatever it was. And that is what we build his theme off of. It's this haunting child choir melody that is very reminiscent of Ave Maria. Wow. And as you listen to the song that is the Riddler's theme, it does that for a little while before it builds into this violent and cacophonous movement that kind of plays into the mentality of the Riddler himself, where it is essentially he has never not been a child. He has never grown up because of the fact that he was an orphan who didn't get to have a family. And it has led to this violent and very angry person before mm. it comes back into that that Ave Maria again, because he sees himself still as not only a child, but an innocent who is doing good. One of the reasons that I really love this score, I won't say it's my favorite because, you know, I, I agree with you, Tim, uh, the, the, the Danny Elfman stuff that came out of the Tim Burton movies is just so iconic. Yeah. And it is so recognizable and it'll stick with you no matter what. I really like this, though, because unlike what we have heard from Hans Zimmer, like he's very good at atmosphere and he's very good at being able to elicit emotion. But this is storytelling and music. Mm. Whereas a lot of the stuff you'll hear throughout Marvel, this is a big problem I've had with Marvel movies. Outside of the Avengers theme. There is nothing recognizable about the music in uh, Marvel movies. Even though they all have their own themes. Like, you, we can all hum this. We can yeah. all do the, the sound. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know. Yeah. But like, and you can even maybe do the Avengers theme or maybe like the Guardians theme. Right. But the problem is the Guardians of the Galaxy theme. It just sounds like the Avengers theme after a while. Yeah. You don't really know the difference between the two because it's very bland. But this is so... Like, it's at least recognizable. It has its own life to it that you will instantaneously, if you heard this, be like, oh, my God, that's from the Batman. Yeah. 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 I think it's second. I think it's second to Danny Elfman's, but very, very effective. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to Rug Boy's area of expertise. Rugs. Oh, my God. Fart jokes? Not fart jokes. What didn't work for you? You got any nitpicks? Uh Well, look, let me, before I start shitting on this, um, (laughs) Let me just say, I uh, I think that this is a my overall thoughts on this movie is that it does create an amalgam, a combination of all of the things that I like about the other movies. And it kind of, you know, like Nolan movies kind of get the character and they get these thematic things and it's serious and the tone is great. But the fighting wasn't the greatest right. and like, you know, the hand to hand combat wasn't as, as good. And it was like a little bit too crisp, but a little bit too kind of brown. Too you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is a little grittier. Mm-hmm. It's got good fight scenes. It's visceral. Yep. There's a, a sense of dread and fear. And I like that. Um, I do kind of, um, but my, obviously they, they had him unconscious and they didn't take his mask off, which it was weird. That would have been the first and thing I, they did is fucking pull his mask off. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of a weird. So there's some things that like happen, like they, they write stuff to happen. Like, you know, not that it would naturally happen that way, but they just kind of write the stuff. And and one of the things is the Hollywood stuff. I've mentioned it before of like, everything's tied together and 
it kind of makes it weaker in a way. And then, and I didn't like the fact that the Riddler had this like little like uh, internet posse. Uh, I think that they could have used Falcone's goons a little bit better, and they could have been given Batman more of like a fight instead of like these random dudes that they that that the Riddler says, "Oh, you know that whole like last scene of the movie." Even though it was kind of interesting and fun to watch, when I think about the actual movie, I don't know if it, if it needed that, um, and the, the fact that Batman doesn't even get the Riddler, like he he turns himself in and just like seven, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, it, it bothered me as well. Um, I think the biggest thing that bothers me, the whole idea of Batman is that like w- in, in today's world, we have to try and figure out like wh- why would we want to like cheer for a Batman? This guy is like a vigilante. Mm-hmm. He's taking the law into his own hands. He's beating the shit out of people. He's clearly a psychopath, you know? And I'm like, instead of, like we're doing this de- deconstruction of all these heroes instead of figuring out a way to prop them up, figuring out a way to make them mean something. Right. And I think that, and, and they, they do this in the comics too. Like the comics, you know, there's a bunch of writers and they have to write something. So they have to, they want to put their stamp on the thing. So they usually just shit on everything. And then everybody, like you know, Dan Slott does all the time. <laughs> so um, anyhow, uh, one of the things that they do in this is that they take, Thomas Wayne and, and, you know, Thomas Wayne and Martha Wayne and make them into like almost kind of corrupt people, which is okay, which is fine. But, um, I, I would have liked, I think it's better for Batman to actually need to be, need to exist. And the reason that Batman needs to exist is because Thomas Wayne tried with all of his fucking might to use his money to help Gotham. He fucking made orphanages. He made schools. He did this. He did that. Blah, blah, blah. And guess what? It was always still corrupt because Gotham is corrupt from the core. And even with, so when people say, well, why isn't Bruce Wayne just fucking use his money to help people? He said, well, he can't do it. Gotham's too dirty. You have to do it a different way. And he, that's why he's Batman. That's why this is the way. This is the only way. And I would have liked that to be propped up like that because it gives Batman a reason to exist instead of being like, well, he's just a psychopath and he just likes to kill fucking bunch people. And um, when you take Thomas Wayne and you make him corrupt too, maybe you can use that to be like, okay, I don't want to be like my dad and be corrupt, but I liked an incorruptible Batman. I liked a, a reason that he's not a millionaire in, 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 uh, he's a millionaire and not using his wealth to like help people or whatever, instead of like beating people up. And I think that when you show the fact that money doesn't solve stuff, if people are corrupt, like the, you see all of these people like using uh whatever. And they did show like he tried to start the fun and they took the fun and they perverted it. And they did do that. But I think that it muddied it up a little bit. And I think that's okay to make things gray but you need at least one thing, one thing to kind of rise against the tide. And the only thing seem, people that seem to be like incorruptible are like very few people in this film. There was not many. Well, what do you think a whole, you know, I mean, he's 
not totally corrupted Thomas Wayne. He's trying to do the right thing, but you, when a city is run by the mob, you kind of try to work within. But the fact that he does save, like, I don't even like the fact that he was running for mayor. Yeah, they like, do. I don't that even a like lot. that. They like, like, that that's Joker. like, a, like that's an immediate cesspool of fucking corruption. Right. The Politician, minute you get involved in politics, you're corrupt. Yes, you know, like it would have been better to keep him away from all of that stuff. Like, I don't know. I just didn't like that, that little spin. How about I like the twist that he, and this comes from long Halloween that Thomas Wayne helped Falcone when he was shot and he came to him and Bruce was there and he watched everything. Uh, you know, you could see that's well, from I the think, book. I think, well, if he's doing Hippocratic oath, have to help he's, him. and yeah, he, they, he's, he's got, he, yeah. he's got to do it. That's that, you know, that's his thing. Maybe that's something you could use that too. Like he, you know, even when doing something right that, that you swore to, you know, uphold or whatever, even that is like you're allowing these, this horrible man to live. Like all those things are worth mining, but I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like you have to be able, like, why does Batman exist in this movie? Like why? Like his dad's corrupt. Like everything's corrupt. Uh, you know, he has millions of dollars and the, the mayor's asking him to like, you know, you know, pitch in. There's no answer to that other than, you know, I'm too busy being Batman. Right vengeance. Now. Yeah. That's a <laughs> you know, good point. It's, it's, I would, you know, well, I, w- I would just say that I think there, I, I didn't necessarily mind the corrupt thing because Thomas, they, they do go out of their way to point, point out that Thomas Wayne didn't intend for the reporter to die. Right. And he also was going to turn himself in and admit to everything. And like, yeah. he was like, Oh, this went sideways. I can't live with this. I'm going to yeah. go to jail and yeah. throw it all away. Yeah. And then he dies the next day. Yeah. So I, I didn't right. necessarily think it was all that bad. I do kind of like the fact that Martha might have had some mental illness. Was she in Arkham always? I think she this wasn't. Is... Ar- yeah, she's in Arkham. Yeah. Her last name is, that, is Arkham. Was that first from off. the comics? I'm, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember. But I like. I like that she has a little because it just adds a little extra to Bruce, where it's like, oh, he's he's got those genes. Not, he's not just doing this because of this, but like. There's something a little there potentially is something a little off about Bruce. Mm. And we've always mm. kind of known that mm-hmm. Bruce like to dress up as a bat. Mm-hmm. You'd, you're almost like one step away from being an Arkham already. This, this kind of explains it. Kind of clearly sense. got mental issues. Yeah, yeah. It kind of explains it. So I, I didn't mind it, but um, what didn't work picks, for you, Anthony? I mean, I said a lot of it. Like, I think the movie's a little too long. I think it could be cleaned up. I didn't like that last scene. I didn't uh, necessarily think Catwoman was necessary to the story. And I think the third act. Although entertaining to see, it's not necessarily built to see us fight. Like that whole third act, it, the movie's so grounded, right? So grounded. It's a murder mystery. And then the third act turns it into a comic book story, mm, right? Mm. Like all of a sudden there's this plot to like flood the city and mm. there's these bombs everywhere. And now we're like in the midst of Madison Square Garden, except it's the Gotham Garden. And right. he's fighting all these people and trying to prevent a flood. And it's like this movie was really a murder mystery throughout or like a like a crime noir story and it was done now it just became a comic book movie like i feel like that third act while entertaining on its own when you place it next to what we saw for three you know two-thirds of the movie it's not exactly tonally the same anymore the movie just shifts to yeah it's, it's it's almost like um not this extreme but like it's reminded me of like the wolverine where it was like yes this is a a Japanese like Western movie, yeah. like a, a, and then also in the movie at the third act is like Wolverine fighting a giant robot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, we it's we true. we figured out that we still have to make this a comic book movie. Like, no, like if if you want to make a, a qu- crime noir movie, 
go all the way with it. Don't, you don't need to turn this into a third act comic. Logan did so. the same thing where his fucking doppelganger shows up. Was that Logan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, is that necessary? Logan, yeah. Logan yeah. does it a little better, but like yeah. that's what it kind of mirrored, like the Wolverine, where it was yeah. like, oh, this. I thought we were telling a Japanese samurai story. Well, you had to get Bats anymore. to the point where he can now come out into the public and say, "I'm here to help," and that was kind of like it. the end of the arc. Uh, you know, I get. I liked. I mean, I like the arc. The has. I just think yeah. that third act could have been a little bit. Could have been a little different. Uh, Delhauer, uh, what did anything not work for you after two times? Um, so I actually, I, I agree with, with, with Anthony brought up the, the way that this movie feels like it's structured. The first act feels like it's a mixture of Tim Burton and David Fincher in the fact that it's this, uh, very Gothic crime murder mystery drama that we're moving through. And while that still carries a bit through the second act, the second act feels far more like a Chris Nolan action movie. Mm. Cause that's where we're getting the squirrel suit scene and the car chase with the explosions and all of that stuff. Like we, we get into the meat of all the action with Batman, but then we kind of reconvene back into the mystery and, and the murder mystery and, and finding this, this serial killer. And then when you get into the third act of this movie, it's just a Scott Snyder Batman comic. Yes. That well, and I mean, literally zero year. It's a Scott Snyder Batman yeah, comic. Riddler we decided to turn it into, into zero Riddler year. Riddler destroys Gotham in zero year. Yes. So yeah, it's, it is very much this feeling. Like I said before, it feels like they took everything that was like beloved about Batman in the past 32 years yep. and went, we need all of that to be here together. It took all the good stuff, Bill. Um, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, where we go with it, I don't know if we decide to go into a zero year, you know, no man's land yeah. story where we're going to do a whole sequel where Gotham's underwater and everything's yeah. a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Or if we decide to time jump and now we're in year five or something like that. Mm. But, um, I, you know, it's it is a bit tonally un uncoordinated at points uh it definitely the, the the movie you feel that that run time by the time you get into the last 15 to 20 minutes of the film hmm. um i think one of the things and this is like the stupidest nitpick i can think of in all honesty is we have that moment where he's talking to gordon and he he's like you know oh, do you trust do you trust the the gotham pd and gordon says i only trust you and then when he then later runs off to go capture Falcone and he hands him over to Gordon, Gordon then brings him outside to like hundreds of police officers. Yeah, he probably should have snuck him out who, the back. Who, who apparently Gordon decided he trusted enough to bring here <laughs> and have be a part of this. Yeah. So that means there's hundreds of people Gordon trusts in the police department now that he didn't bother to mention earlier. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh, yeah. Good point. Um, and so it's it's that moment where it's like, was it because like the jig was up and and Falcone got like you know uh, brought to light that we're all like, oh no, you can trust me, I'm not corrupted, uh, uh, Lieutenant. When it was like you know two two hours ago, they were like, man, I can't wait to get my next payoff from Falcone. <laughs> They're like, oh, he's dead now. Um, and then I don't know beyond that, the the the, the weird like, w did they didn't they incest thing with Catwoman felt a little odd. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, it's never like specifically stated. So you could easily just shake it off and be like, no, that didn't happen. But there's, <laughs> there's a question. Yeah. And, uh, okay. beyond that, I don't know. I, I feel like I probably would wind up having to see it a third or fourth time before I could really start digging it. Oh, uh, we've already talked about it, but the other nitpick I had was just basically saying like, um, 
I feel like we didn't have enough time with this version of uh, Alfred, Alfred yeah. to be upset when he gets bombed. <laughs> oh, and um, Martha, Martha Wayne being in Arkham uh, is from the Earth One graphic novel. Earth it's not One. a, it's not a yes. regular thing. Yes, no. I mean, in terms of influences in the comics, that's that. It's like Earth One, Court of Owls. Yeah, it's a little bit. We, of hush. we pulled literally. We pulled bits and pieces uh, from everything. Yeah. It's a Earth. Yeah. We have this this little bit of backstory from Earth One. This little bit yeah. of backstory yeah. from Dark Victory. Yeah. You know this this hush concept. We'll tuck that in there. Yeah, it's that's why it feels a little disjointed because it wasn't like a singular vision. It was kind of like let's stitch all this stuff together. Yeah, it feels like that, but I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily because it's no. not like it's not like they're stitching in the worst shit. Yeah, they're yeah stitching, it's in, stitching it's, in the best shit. Yeah, it's yeah. universe nine 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 where all these other pieces yeah. just happen to all work out this way. I mean, really, I had really had no problems with the majority of this movie. The cops not unmasking him was like the main thing that instantly i was like oh wait a minute they would have fucking ripped I, that mask i i kind of chalked that up to gordon's, gordon's with him the whole them. time right. being yeah. like hey stop yeah. it yeah 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 so he was kind of protecting <laughs> he, he was uh guarding the cookie jar yeah he's like exactly. no get your hands out of there i mean in other get cars- your damn hands you off of you son of a bitch man. <laughs> you son of a bitch get your damn hands off that bitch. but at least in this movie when he takes off his cowl the black makeup doesn't just disappear like in some of the that's other good. movies that's yeah. good for the first it's time it's very realistic it's just it's also such an interesting aspect of like that that one shot that was in all the trailers yeah. of him taking the cowl off yeah. and he had the, the black eye makeup yeah. but it just it just looks like he's been crying in mascara <laughs> I mean some of it reminded me of the crow too you know with the fucking grunge music and the fucking mood i was like true getting crow but vibes. also the crow the crow was a hundred percent alex proyas being like i want to make tim burton's batman yeah so he did all right well gang we've gotten to the part where we're going to give this our final thoughts and rate it and rank it and can you answer the question is this the best batman movie yet anthony i'm gonna start throw it to you no, it's not. Okay, start right there. <laughs> not the best. Okay, not, not for me. I mean, The yeah. Dark Knight yeah. is still an iconic film. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just, you have Heath Ledger giving a, a an amazing performance. Uh, it's one of Nolan's best films ever. So, no, I don't think it's the best. As far as like where it rank, what like what I would rank it. Final thoughts. I think I've and I've I've pretty much exhausted all all the things I can say about this movie. I think it again. It was a very it's a very worthy addition to the Batman uh, canon or film film lore. Uh, I think Matt Reeves did a really good job in, in accomplishing what he wanted, which was seven with Batman in it. And uh, I liked Robert Pattinson's performance. I, I, I would rate it the same way I felt. I feel the, the feelings I got from this film were the same. I felt for Batman Begins in terms oh. of I like it. I'm not like over the moon about it, but I like where it's going. I'm excited to see the direction. I'm excited to see what this director and this actor, you know, teaming up can do for future films. So the the only thing I didn't like really is like I'm not as excited to see Joker in another film, like mm. I mentioned earlier. Whereas mm-hmm. in Batman Begins, by the end of that film, I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to see what Christopher Nolan's going to do with the Joker. Mm. Don't don't have that same vibe, but you know who knows? I've I've read rumors that. Uh, Reeves is very interested in having like Mr. Freeze be a villain. I saw that, which is Dude, like kind of wild it. compared yeah, to like what we've seen yeah. in this film. But if I, I'd be, I'd be very open to seeing a Mr. Freeze come back yeah. and like well, how yeah, they play out. I still meet you. So that being said, I'm going to go. I would rank it. I think it's probably 
tied with Be- maybe a little better than Begins. Mm. So I'd say third all time as far as Batman films. Uh, okay. 7.5 out of 10. Oh, okay. But it's uh, behind Dollar. Dark Knight and the original Batman. And Batman 89. Yeah. And then this one. And this one then begins. And then, begins. And then, and then I would go uh, Returns. Okay. Okay. Del Hauer. What? Um, I think I would agree with Anthony that I'd probably have this floating around number three. It battles for number two at times for me. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, number one is 1989 Batman. Okay, you put was, that up there. Okay, that was my favorite Batman movie of all time. Yeah, you know, for the longest time, even as we were going through Dark Knight and everything, I was like, "Look, Michael Keaton is still the Batman I grew up with. It's the guy I love the most." Um, Heath Ledger's Joker is the reason that like Dark Knight is as iconic as it is. I think the story is very well done and there's a, re- a lot of really good points throughout it, you know, it's a very solid action movie. But I think the thing is is I have this battling with Dark Knight before the fact that I feel like this is far more of a Batman movie. It's whereas yeah. Dark Dark Knight was an amazing action movie with Batman characters in it. Um I would say so. I'd say it's it's floating. It's two or three. Probably going to settle at three, just because I remember when I saw Dark Knight. I saw that movie twice in twenty four hours because it fucking blew my mind yeah. when I saw it. Yeah. Um, this one I loved to death. I thought like this is everything I would want in a Batman movie. Couple things on a second viewing where I was like, eh, eh not not as great as I as the first time viewing, but honestly, I still really really like this. Mm. Um, so it might wind up settling at three, but I would say eight out of 10. Okie dokie. Eight out of 10 for you, Rugs. What do you say? I can't really put, uh, Batman movies in order because, um, there's all these things I like about a lot of these movies. Like, I feel like Batman Begins is like the best Batman script. Mm. Like, uh, what's on the page, what happens, I think is great. Like, you get so much of Batman and fear and all that stuff and all all of the motivation for the characters there. Then you got the best actual like um, on screen acting experiences in the Dark Knight, you know, mm. like you and you see like some great visceral action sequences of, of like the car chases and the and, and the bank robberies and all that stuff is great there. This movie uh, and of course you have uh, Tim Burton's movie, which is just the art direction and just the artistry of like just of a of a real director doing artistic shit like that's beyond like that set the tone for everything right like superhero movies without Tim Burton's Batman it, they wouldn't be as dark as crazy I mean, we had Superman with Christopher Reeves we had that kind of like conventional this was like an unconventional movie yeah. and so all of these things have now made their way into this movie. And it kind of takes a little bit of everything. So I don't know. I can't put it into an order, but it definitely belongs in this pantheon. Yeah. It definitely belongs okay. as, as a, a viable Batman movie that that does please me on many levels. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a little bit of all of these different yeah. things from each movie in it. So it's it's kind of like it, it, it's an amalgam. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the it's an amalgam of all these films. What number would you give it? What do you mean on a scale of one to ten? Yeah. Did we rate it? Yeah, we every, rate it? you got. Do you, well, have you not been listening to what the fuck has been going on? Anthony gave it a seven and a half. Dollar gave it an eight. This is not. I didn't imagine this. Did I? Oh, I'm gonna give it an eight. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I think it's very I think it's very good. Okay. Yeah. Uh yeah, this is hard. It's definitely up there with one of the best Batman films. I appreciate seeing the detective work. I appreciate this kind of fresh take. I appreciate him pulling in all the good parts of everything we've seen. And it's almost unfair to compare it to like one of the Nolan movies or the trilogy. I mean, The Dark Knight comes it's the second movie. You have Heath Ledger's Joker. You know, and then uh, the, it's so hard to compare this. It's top three. I love Batman 89 still to this day. That movie was very special to me when it came out. I was 13. I was all in. So I'll put that first. I'm going to tie this with The Dark Knight because it does things wow. better. It does them, does some things better than it. And it does. And The Dark Knight does some things better than this movie. Looking back, I hate the fucking Bale Cowell now. Like the fucking helmet round uh, compared to this. I can't, I don't like that one, but it's, it's just so hard because it is a, a, a part of everything that has come before it. It has the benefit of having all this shit, 80 years of comics and movies. So it's very close to the dark Knight, And then I will put begins, but I'm gonna give it an eight and a half out of 10. So maybe it is okay. three. Maybe dark Knight is a little bit higher. It's, I don't know. It's really hard to compare them. It is. It's tough. I mean, there's things that I love about. Listen, if I I've seen all these movies many times, yeah. so and I've gotten different things each time I've watched it. So I've only seen this movie once. Yes, same here. And so, I think with further viewings, you know, same. the score might change. And so I recommend doing it more than once. So, but clearly, <laughs> not the best Batman movie, but maybe the most cohesive, which is what I was hoping I, for. I'm. I feel very optimistic about Batman. Um. But that's kind of weird because, you know, it, when you're up this high, you can go down real easy, you know? Well, yeah, look yeah. what happened with the third fucking Nolan movie, you know? He yeah. follows that up with the fucking so, Dark Knight Rises. Uh, covered in What the Fuck Happened Absolutely. to the Dark Knight covered Rises. well. <laughs> so, again, great. Uh, but, yeah, just a visceral great movie on first watch. Uh, if you go to, there's no post credit scene, but that there's a website that's flashed. It is the Rata Alada dot com website and if you went there right after you saw the movie there was a couple of clues you had to answer i got like two of them or one of them i had to google the rest but then you oh. then you get a video file that's password protected you got to put in another fucking clue and you get a video you get that thomas wayne video from the movie and you hear riddler breathing over it but if you go there now it is different it, it's 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 loading something it says click for reward the the percent number has been going up. First, it was like one percent. It's at forty nine percent. It was at thirty three. It's when at, I now clicked it's it. at forty nine. And if you click for reward, there is a cipher, a code from the Riddler, an image uh, that's titled "It's not over yet." And Delhauer, I think you figured out the cipher. You have to tell us. Go back, figure out what this is. I did. I have it saved. Okay, here. so you later send me a send me a message what this fucking code says. I'm sure and when it gets to a hundred, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's great fucking marketing. As far as what's next for it, this yeah. funny thing is, this reminds me of the Dark Knights marketing. Yes, a little bit. They did the same thing. And there's always the Joker is always on screen using video to fucking talk to people. Uh what's next for this universe? There are two sequels planned, apparently, according to Reeves. There will be a Penguin HBO Max show that may be hard, really? hard R now. You know, we've seen how uh, fucking Peacemaker did. And then the most interesting thing is they were going to do a Gotham PD show that was going to focus on a corrupt, corrupt Gotham officer. And Gordon was going to be in there. That is now 
kind of on hold. There's been creative differences. One of the showrunners Good. walked away. They are pivoting to a spinoff series about Arkham Asylum. And this is possibly a way for Matt Reeves to make Arkham a character, introduce a whole new bunch of villains, and uh, maybe progress their characters before they get I think introduced. both of these series are bad ideas. Yeah, and, be, and because we can't not spin everything off, there has also been talks of giving Zoe Kravitz oh, yeah, her own Catwoman, Catwoman show, series. They did discuss that also. But the Penguin thing would be interesting because there is a power vacuum in Gotham, and clearly Penguin's going to step in now. <laughs> So I don't know. We'll see but you heard it, but I don't. I don't want. I don't care about that. I love the crime. I mean, I, the crime noir, the intricate plot, crime plot of this was fucking fantastic. That's something uh, you know. Nolan gave us that, but I think this guy turned it up a notch and just. What would be a Batman related thing that you would watch without the Batman in it? it clearly, because none of these are probably going to well, have the Batman. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I would do like Bloodhaven. Oh, but like uh, yeah, that's the Catwoman but, uh, show. She goes to Bloodhaven. That's what that would be about. Yeah, maybe. So it's just like Batman adjacent. Yeah. But not really. I don't know. Also, I mean, all, yeah. all of these things would be Batman adjacent without Batman. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, this movie very soon will be on HBO Max. A 45 day window is what they're doing. So April 19th, this thing is popping up on HBO Max. Okay, let's do some quick news from the nation. <laughs> It's time for news from the nation. It's time for news from the nation. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Did you have a balloon with you? What's going on? Over I there? should have done a Batman fart. What does a Batman fart sound like? Like. Are you trying to do the theme? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do the score with farts. Uh, anyways, listen, if you want to join the conversation, we have an awesome Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. There's a link in the show notes. It is a closed exclusive group where I put spoiler threads for things. You can react right away. and We share it on the show. We actually have a speak pipe. Remember that shit? Remember voicemails? Whoa. You can leave us your voicemail. Daryl K., Got so hyped, he had to send us a speak pipe. Let's find out what he thinks of the movie. Holy shit, y'all. The Batman is definitely the best Batman movie yet, in my opinion. Yeah, Whoa. it's better than The Dark Knight. Whoa. Damn, this is the first time we've seen Batman being an actual fucking detective in a movie. The only other time we saw that was in the animated series. More than that, though, this is the first comic book movie where every single character bit can be traced back to an actual comic book arc. I can't think of one thing about any of the characters that was changed to quote unquote, better fit a movie or made up because it's a movie. Yeah, it was a long movie, but I didn't feel like it dragged at all until the end. And even that didn't bother me. Bottom line. I fucking loved it. I fucking love five. Out of 10. Oh, I stepped on his score. 9.5 out of 10, he gave it. He stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> he stole my balloons. It's those, those are my balloons. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Wait, Tommy had one of those. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? You know what? The most detectiving we've seen in live action since this this has got to be Adam West, Batman. He did so much detectiving in that. But you remember when the entire UN got turned to dust and then he had to rehydrate them? Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, you had Egg Egg Eggsy Eggman, whatever that bad guy was. Listen, 
the bad tootsie. The bad tootsie is the one, the best thing about the show. Yeah, uh, you gotta do that at the policeman's. <laughs> um, Logan Janice from the podcast Mostly Superheroes says it looked amazing. Gotham was dope. Maybe my favorite suit. It felt a little Hollywood to me, meaning it looked and sounded amazing. But I think some no-name actors with a little more depth would have been an improvement. That all being said, it did feel like a good novel or even a long-form TV show that I would watch. Cool overall. You um, think you think Warner Brothers is going to put a no-name in the cowl? How yeah. dare you? Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You got to have a name. Uh, Blake Braden says, damn, that was pretty solid. The Dark Knight still reigns supreme. Batman 89 still second, but I'd say close together. Maybe a tie with Batman Begins. A fan of the direction they're going in. If you don't like it for lack of character development, come on, at this point, do we need to know how much more in-depth about some of the characters are? Also, did it feel like at points you could just replace Riddler with Jigsaw and have a PG-13 version of Saw? Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Uh Maybe a little bit. Dion Robinson simply says, definitely didn't need to be three hours, a lot of fluff. I don't know if there was a lot of fluff, but it could have been tightened up a little. <laughs> I'm so tempted to just yell at your listeners at times. <laughs> well, you could go but, into the group and I was gonna say it's it. not even it's not even like for good reason. <laughs> like I just have that knee jerk reaction of you're a lot of fluff. <laughs> <laughs> uh Ray O'Neill says it was incredibly entertaining. I was happy they jumped right in with no real backstory. Everyone in the cast did a fantastic job. Penguin was hilarious. Love Turturro. He was perfect as Falcone. I can't think of anything bad to say about it. Wow. I will. I do love how they jumped right in. And I also agree. I think everyone nailed their roles. I think the cast is was uh, well, well cast movie. Yeah, I think it was very well done. I, I would say out of all of them, Turturro is the one where like you could have had someone else play the role. And I wouldn't have sat there being like, you know, John Turturro would have done this better. But Turturro is that kind of guy that like he's just good. And every time he shows up, he fucking nails yeah, his and shit. It's, it's not to say that he again, it's not to say that he's bad. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. But it's also like I I didn't. And I mean, I guess I, I could probably say the same thing about like Colin Farrell. Yeah. Like there's there. There are parts of this movie where it's like they did an amazing job at what they had. But also I'm not turning around and being like, this is the version of that character. The only problem I have with this whole Colin Farrell and the prosthetics thing, making him look all fat and ugly, whatever, is you're taking away jobs from actual fat and ugly actors. Oh, like, <laughs> what? Well, how are these people supposed to get work? Imran, what is what are you trying to there say? There was exactly? a point where you could be you. You had that body type and you could audition for the penguin. And now these fuckers are taking that away, too. Imran, I thank you for fighting Him for my and people. Him and Jared Leto, you can fuck off with your fat suits. They let a fat person do it. Let a actual who's the next Philip Seymour Hoffman? That guy was a <laughs> schlub, but he was a genius actor. You know why can't we have those anymore? It's the only thing that annoys. Well, who's the new? Oh who's the new age Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, it's that Jesse Plemons Jesse guy, Plemons, the guy that yeah. looks like Philip Seymour Hoffman ate Matt Damon. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's the, that. Get him as the penguin. I think he's married to Kirsten Dunst. Oh, really? Jesse Plemons? Jesse Plemons is a really oh, good actor, yeah. too. He is great. Uh, Jamie Robinson from the Mr. Throwback Thursday podcast, which I was on an episode last week. You should go check it out. It's a lot of fun. He simply says, I like that he kept his bat Leatherman on his chest. Yes, very handy there. To have. <laughs> you need a screwdriver. You need a little saw. You know, it's right there. Holes, it's got it's got a little magnifying it's glass. Got a little magnifying. It's got a file for your nails. It's got everything. Toothpick. It's a little toothpick in it your It comes teeth. with a toothpick. A little lockpick. Jose Ibarra says, I love this film. I fucking loved it. I agree with most of what's <laughs> been said already. This may be my favorite live action version of Batman. I do have a couple of critiques as I watched it a second time, not through the whole of Geek Boner. Geek Boner. First of all, as I mentioned, this is my favorite version of Batman. However, this may be the worst Bruce Wayne 
absolutely no change between Batman and Bruce. How does everybody not know it's him immediately? Second critique, the penguin could have been mm. completely cut out from the film and it wouldn't have changed much. Probably. Oh, it yeah. may have made yeah. the film better. Okay, wait, let's talk about these two things. Did he need to do a voice? He doesn't do the voice, which I appreciated because Bale's voice was a little much. Yes, he does do the voice. He does Bale's voice. Does he? Yeah. He doesn't I, do it as, as over-exaggerated. I swear to me. There are, there are definitely times. He, I will admit, coming out of a second viewing. What but have you done? There are definitely times where you can definitely tell, like, like especially when he's trying to be intimidating in the club or with Penguin or whatever. What have you he's done? doing this at them. Yeah. What have you done? He keeps saying that. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't get to the point of like you're there if you kill somebody. <laughs> but it's it's very clear that he is doing a voice. Um, when we, when it comes to this is the the worst version of Bruce because there's no difference between them. That's because there is there's a thing that uh, Kevin Conroy came up with and talked about a lot. The guy who voiced Batman yep. throughout the, the animated series yep. is he said there are three characters he played. He played Batman. He played Bruce Wayne, and he played Bruce. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is the fake Bruce Wayne right. that he puts on as the playboy who's out there being happy go lucky and spending all his money. There's Batman and then there's Bruce who is literally the version of Bruce Wayne that is still technically Batman but is the bridge between the two he's of them. He's in between. Yeah. The version that Robert Pattinson is playing in here is he's playing Batman and Bruce but he is never playing Bruce Wayne. Yeah. I would also add that they do, they do a they go out of their way to make sure that like Bruce Wayne isn't ever really out in public. And yeah, the one, he and the one do time much. he is out in public, yeah. he doesn't say jack shit. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> so He's no got one really just stares him. around, yeah. like yeah, staring at the. No one kid knows freaking. what he like. No one know, has any feel for his personality or anything. He's just this rich orphan that no one's seen sees ever and isn't helping the yeah. city. So I think. And then when they do see him, he just goes, "Huh? <laughs> what? What? See, like they and then he tackles a kid." <laughs> They he could have like they could have just given him something to do and then it would have been it would have helped so much I think. Uh, and then Anthony, what do you think about this? You said the Catwoman could be completely cut out and it would have made a difference. Jose thinks the Penguin could have been cut out. I agree. I was going to say neither one of these is wrong. Yeah. Neither okay. are a wrong answer. So that, there, you could have made an hour and a half movie. You cut those two. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone an hour and a half, but yeah. I don't know if I would have gone at least almost two three. hours, maybe two hours. Yeah, and the thing is, a they, solid yeah, seventy-five minutes. Falcone <laughs> could have. This is the thing: like you have Falcone in all of these Batman movies, but you never really feel like that he's a threat. And here you start to see that okay. The real threat is that Falcone gets has everybody in his pocket. He's pulling all the strings. But it'd be nice to have like the might of Falcone in there too, like his thugs, like his people that he's got. He's got all of these guys that he could get and to attack Batman, and um, you know, with either with guns or with other shit. You know, I think the problem is is a lot of Batman movies and TV shows and whatever it is they they always seem to gloss over the organized crime that was in Gotham before Batman really became established right? because they're like, well, that's not interesting. The interesting thing is all of Batman's villains, like the Joker and the Riddler and Mr. Freeze and everything, you know, gangsters who are just criminals who launder money. Like that's realistic. And we don't want that. So like Falcone and Maroney and all that stuff, like they never get much time because everyone always looks at it as like, that's fucking boring. But it's like, this is the establishment of why the city is so awful. Like, you have to dig into this. You have to see why 
you know, Falcone's influence is so deep that you can't, like Rugboy said earlier, you can't have Bruce Wayne just throwing his money around and making things better because the corruption is so deep and, and the organized crime is so widespread and touching everything that there is no other way that he sees to change these things than to go out dressed in a mask and punch motherfuckers in their face. Yeah, another thing is that the, the penguin is basically just another gangster in this movie. Right. So, like, there's no even need to have the penguin here. Like, yeah. Either make him the character that is Falcone in this movie. Well, he, that's where he's going now because Falcone's yeah. out. So it's or again. don't even have him there and have him only show up at the end when you're talking about there's going to be a power vacuum. Right, right. And now there's this weird looking fat guy who's been <laughs> taken over the, the iceberg lounge. It's just an umbrella. <laughs> why is it? Somebody why left is an it, umbrella on the sidewalk. I wonder what that well, means. Why is it that he's like the right hand man to Carmine Falcone, but Falcone hides out in Penguin's fucking club? Yeah, it's not his club. It's not Falcone's club. This is my club. Interesting. So, uh, Delhauer did decode this message you get at rataalada.com. It says, you think I'm finished, but perhaps you don't know the full truth. Everything, every ending is a new beginning. Something is coming. It's at 49%. I don't know when something is coming. On Rotten Tomatoes? No, on the, on the, on the, (laughs) not on Rotten Tomatoes. On the Rata Alada loading (laughs) number. By the way, yeah. another one of my favorite moments from this whole movie is having Colin Farrell as the penguin giving them uh, lessons in Spanish with El Rata, yeah. El Rata. It's La, you be, idiots. He must be a real idiot because it's La Rata. <laughs> you, you, no one on the force speaks Spanish? No hablo espanol, well, gentlemen? Okay, that was another nitpick, actually. Why? Oh, when Jesus he Christ, fi- here we go. Fi- <laughs> I just thought of it, but I just remembered why when he finds out it's a, you know, a, rat with a, with a rat with wings, why doesn't he think of a bat right away? Like honestly, it's both. I've heard both uh, pigeon and bat both considered as a quote unquote rat mm, with wings. Mm, okay, so it does work, I guess. The fact that they then later on were like, penguins have wings and falcons have wings. I'm like, that's stretching it. <laughs> that's a little bit. <laughs> um, all right, good stuff. I feel like the only thing I didn't ask you guys is where do you rank this actual Batman up against the other Batman? Meaning Batflick, mm-hmm. Bale, Bale Flick, Keaton Fleck, mm. or Keaton, Bat Keaton. Keaton Fleck. What about Why Adam West? Why are you West? Fleck on the Adam end of Adam Actually, can I, can I jump in before we do this? Yeah. Like, is BVS the saving, the, the Batman scene in that, is still, that's still the best action, right? Or no? Uh, oh, the, the warehouse uh, scene? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty damn good. This gets close, though. I don't know. I think that scene. I I rewatch actually rewatched that scene the other day, and I think it is. It's better. It's not realistic. It's, well, yeah, it's, but, it's not realistic. I, I I just don't. It is better, but I don't like that that version of Batman is fucking killing people. But this like, movie is true. like a, like the whole movie is like that scene exactly. You know? So that's why I have a, a problem with that entire movie. Mm. I mean, there's one. There's one point he. he takes a box and throws it against the guy's head and you see the blood splatter on the oh, wall. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and you're just like, God damn it. I still love that scene, scene, even though it's like, it's just from, even if it's not Batman, it could be anybody. That's a great fucking fight Absolutely. scene. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in this uh, one, he doesn't kill, but he does get out of the way so people can shoot each other. Does that count? <laughs> That's kind of like killing. He didn't stop I think her. he also redirects people's guns yeah. into shooting each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that a couple Can't times. Can't save um, everyone. Yeah. I will say one thing I was really hoping for in this movie that we kind of got, but not really. 
uh, because we'd seen it so much in Daredevil, and it's a thing that I think is a, a great staple in action movies in the past 10 years, I really wanted a one-shot hallway fight scene. Oh, we kind of got it with the shooting and the when the you lights go. Yeah, we got it with the gun kata thing yeah. when he was like doing the the equilibrium stuff. That but shit it was, was like, dope. I really wanted just like that one tracking shot of him moving down the hallway, just beating the yeah, shit out yeah. of people. That would have been nice. Is this the best Batman you're saying? Yeah, best Batman? we we figured out it's not the best Batman movie. Is this where does the Batman rank? Uh, uh, I'm gonna say second. Who's first for you? Still Keaton. Okay. See, I don't have the affinity for Keaton. Yeah. I might say this guy. I think this is this is probably the most accurate to the comics, but my personal opinion is I still love Michael Keaton just as Batman. But it's close. I would say beyond this would then be Bale, but I definitely think he's a far better Batman than Bale. Okay, that's interesting. Hmm. hmm. I mean, Affleck didn't really get to do much. I mean, and I think physically he's the most Batman. Bad. Okay, Affleck? he's. Batfleck is like six foot something. He's, he's like six fucking three. huge. He's, yeah, he's been doing a shit ton yeah, of crossfit and steroids. <laughs> he's yeah. the closest. Like the um the. I, granted, this doesn't fall into the actual uh, ranking of it, but like the the Bat in the Sun short films that they've done on oh, YouTube yeah, for yeah, the past yeah, several yeah, years, yeah. they've had the guy Kevin Porter, who's yes, a stuntman. That guy's big too. He's definitely like the most physically Batman of anybody I've yeah. seen, and Affleck is the closest I've seen get to him huh. in physicality. Right, but then you you take that all the way. Like, like if we're, we're doing comic book Batman, all right, Affleck's the closest to the silhouette of that. Yeah, and then you get uh, I don't know Keaton. I always thought that was a weird casting, but I just like him as an actor. Yeah. But I think Bale is probably. You know, he's physically big enough and he kind of has that air of being Bruce Wayne. Well, I still think Robert Pattinson comes off like a um, little boy, a little too boyish, maybe. Maybe it's the haircut. It's the haircut as well as the yeah. fact that he still just has he's a, little thin. a young face. Yeah. It's a young Batman. Yeah. Well, yes, but I mean, like, he's supposed to be in his late 20s and Pattinson still has the face of like a 19 year old. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard question. I think it's a hard. Yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I hate, hate to. I don't think I have not an give answer. a good answer, but I don't really have a good answer. I don't think I right have now. an answer either. I'll think about it. We'll come back next. I week. feel like that he's he's definitely in the mix. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Battinson. So he's he, I was going to say, and the thing of it is, is that he may not have the silhouette. He may look a little boyish, but I definitely think he put a lot into playing the role. Like the the bit in the beginning after that fight on the the train platform when he beats up the you know, uh, I don't know, uh, grave, fi- gra- you know, uh, ghost face the, gang. The warriors from the warriors. Yeah, movie. why not? Yeah. When, when he beats, when he beats up the guys from the movie Dead Presidents. Yeah, that's the. Um, there's that. There's that shot where he then looks up and he sees the bat signal in the air, yeah. and the shot they have of him, and the way that he's like moving his whole body because he obviously can't move his neck in that costume, very much kind of called back to the Keaton Batman to he me. can't move his neck yeah. because he can't move <laughs> his neck. right but it was it was just like the way that uh, with how Rugboy was saying the way that he is able to express so much in what is going on yeah. in his mind with yeah. just the way he moves his eyes yeah. and the way he just kind of like quietly like you know oh there's there's you know I, I don't remember what the word was but he points out that there's like some kind of like you know uh, pattern of infection or something around the stump of the mayor's thumb and that's what tells him oh he it was cut off when he was alive right right 
and then just walks away. And everyone's like, the fuck was that? <laughs> I can give him this. He's got the best fucking jawline out of any of those fuckers for the fucking suit. That's all I can say right now. Well, the mask looks great on yeah, him, too. It definitely they, does. They, they did a great job with the with the cow. So that helps a lot. Um, He's up there. I think that another thing is that you want another thing that I think about this is that um, even you heard a lot of stories about him not kind of like working right. out and not feeling like he, he, he needs to embody this. He's kind of like, you know, he's like the suit does everything. You know, it is like I really don't have to do anything. The suit's doing all the acting. So um, I don't know. Maybe after this is, is successful and people start responding to it, maybe he'll be more inclined to like really jump into it. Maybe. And, uh, I also think there there might be a possibility because Pattinson strikes me as the type of guy where he's he's such like an acting actor where like, you know, with with the, the fact that he took on, you know, the, the Twilight movies and was like, well, I did this because it was going to pay me money. I didn't really care about them at all. I could also see him resenting the fact that they want him to go all out to be like, mm-hmm. you have to be jacked mm-hmm. to be Batman. And he's like. No, that's I'm not, not going to do that. Yeah, that's not how I'm approaching. I'm an actor. Yeah. I'll act. I'll act jacked. That's all that matters. <laughs> I'm going to act jacked. I'll, I'll hold my shoulders higher, and then you give me a suit that looks like it. Or padding. So, right. I mean, well. I, I could see him give in. I could also see him suddenly get, like, very resentful that, that like, he's expected to do certain things. Well, maybe, right. yeah. I mean, if anything, he, Reeves has given us a, an incredible movie to discuss and mull over and think uh, and go see again, which I will be doing. Absolutely. I, I just a- want to say one thing. Yes. We went about as long as the movie. We did. That was the point. <laughs> I did it. Yes, and we have credits. And roll credits. We have exhausted our Batman talk. Del Howard, thanks for hanging out. Do you have anything you want to plug to the listener? Uh, nothing at the moment, right. but you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll show up again here soon. Who knows what I do? I'm elusive. Oh boy. He's like the Batman. Bro- no, I'm not. Shut up. Rock boy. Where can the listener find you online? You can find me online at ratalata.com. Oh, is that you doing this? No, Ooh. no, I'm not the Riddler. <laughs> I'm the diddler. <laughs> um, uh, you can oh, find me <laughs> on Twitter. At really rug boy, come by and say hello. Follow me. Follow him. Follow us. Check the show notes for links to everything. Share the show, listener. If you have a friend that you think will enjoy this deep dive discussion of the Batman, definitely text him, forward it to him, send him an email. We'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the Jock. He's the Nerd. We'll peep you next time. That's the wrong button. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I fucking loved it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Jock and Nerd.